Before we start this month's show, we want to take a couple of minutes and address a late-breaking topic here in the, in the pinball community surrounding the arrest of uh, pinball designer John Trudeau. And uh, Brent and I want to keep this uh, show, as always, very family-friendly, so we're not going to get into the details of why he was arrested. We know that we have uh, family members, uh, young children listening to the show, and we don't want to put anyone in the position of explaining a topic to their children before they're ready to explain a topic to their children. So with that, Brent, why don't we uh, talk about this here for just a few minutes, and then let's move on to a happier topic and discuss how how we can try to take as much of this as we can and put uh, put it to good use. How about that? Our thought is that uh, in light of this tragedy, in light of these events, we should take that energy. Uh, There's some confusion. I'm sure there's going to be some anger. I'm positive there's going to be a certain level of denial. And we we take that energy and we channel it in in a good way, Mm -hmm. okay? There's a lot of folks in the pinball community, the arcade community, that do things for not only pinball and arcade, but beyond. And the first one that leapt to mind was Project Pinball. Yes. In our eyes, we can take all of that concern, all of that anger, all of that. uh, I, I, I can only imagine what level of conversation is going to occur online in the coming weeks months if not years mm-hmm. we take that and like i said we do we do some good with it so our suggestion and we're going to follow through with this on yes. our side yeah we've talked about this ahead of of this recording so yes we certainly are our suggestion our hope for everybody if you, if you could help us in this is we're going to we're going to channel that into project pinball we're going to make a donation to project pinball mm-hmm. okay now I know the size of our audience and I can easily imagine Whitney I say I when I say I I mean both of us yeah Whitney no, I, understand. And I, I understand it's us as a team yeah we know the size of our our audience and we feel that we could easily if we if we took that audience and we helped everyone to channel that concern and those questions and those feelings we could we could buy a pinball machine mm-hmm. easily easily yes. I, I don't see a problem with that in a heartbeat yeah i mean knowing our worldwide distribution and the numbers that we hit every month uh, i mean it should be relatively easy to uh, to create a bit of a groundswell for absolutely that and make it do some good and, and i'm talking about a nice machine i'm talking mm-hmm. about new in box machine mm-hmm. think about this if you're if you're going through a pin right now if you're about ready to do a cap kit on a monitor and you're looking for parts and that machine is set in your garage for six months or a year, and you've put some cash back for parts, you can wait another week. All right? Take that money. I, I, I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care if it's 7 or $8 for a cap kit. I don't care if it's 30 bucks for a really nice rubber kit. Hold off for a little bit. Make a donation to Project Pinball. Yeah. And now Dan Spolar over at Project Pinball uh, we've not spoken with Dan. This this is such a new thing that we have not had much of an opportunity to talk about it past Whitney and myself. I mean, even to digest this, I mean, oh, absolutely. We're, no. we're recording on a Sunday afternoon, uh, the 27th of August, actually. It's fairly late in the month. And this news just broke two days ago. Yep. We haven't talked to Dan, but what I would like, you know, if everyone can do this, anyone that makes a donation... Somewhere in the process, I bet there's a comment field. 
I haven't had the opportunity to run through it myself. I'm going to do it this evening. If you could put the podcast name in there, just somewhere, like on the last line, or hey, I heard about this on the Broken Token podcast. I'd like to us to reach out to Dan, and I don't know what Dan could do on the backside in terms of pulling all that data together. I'd be interested if he can to get us a total to see how much money we raised. Like I said, we could we could talk about this, and it'll be a sign of something. I, in the bigger picture, it'll be a small thing. Oh, trust yeah. us. Yeah. In light of recent events but it will be an indication of what we can do as a community to rally together, channel ourselves into doing what is only described as good. And when you think about it, um, you want something good to come out of news like this because uh, an untold number of people have, uh, children and otherwise, have been either uh, exploited and taken advantage of, damaged, however you want to look at that, and um, the the cycle the cycle continues because the cycle's perpetrated. Um, I have a young daughter; she's twelve. This hits home for me. Uh, Brent and I have spent time with John Trudeau. I mean, I've got uh, I've got pictures of my daughter with John, and it's uh, it, it's 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 tough. So with that, um, I would say instead of dwelling on it, uh, Brent, you put it really good as far as plans and what we can what we can hope to. Uh, pull out of this and, and make some make some good out of obviously a, a horrific situation. Uh, but I will say there's a running commentary on Pinside. Uh, check that check that uh, thread out uh, if you want to dig in and learn more and uh, just jump into the uh, the sea of opinion on this uh, subject. I will say that uh, we're not going to touch on it again until um, until some more facts have surfaced, because I don't, uh, Brent, and I know you're you're likely the same. I don't want to use the podcast as a soapbox for uh, for slander or for uh, pur- you know for purporting uh, public opinion one way or the other. We do that enough on uh, just a bunch of arcade and pinball machines in the grand scheme of things, a bunch of boxes that don't amount to that really don't amount to a lot in light of a situation like this. So uh, with that, Brent, I think uh, I think we've touched on the topic about as much as we could, and we, we hope everybody uh, appreciates that and understands. And uh, Brent, how about let's talk about some arcade and let's pinball do, machines. Let's do that. So everybody, Project Pinball, and they can be found at www.projectpinball.org. And there's a donate button right there in the upper right-hand corner. Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Whitney, it looks like a beautiful sunny day here in uh, wonderful Louisville, Kentucky, and we have come indoors. <laughs> What's wrong with us? To bring everybody episode fifty-eight of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Uh, did we? Could be, we could, yeah, we could be sitting outside working on our tan, our farmer's tan. That is. <laughs> But no, it's it's good it's good to get I back. Got, I got grass that needs cutting and chicken chickens that needs tending. <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. And I've got I've got tomatoes to go pick up at my parents. Everything else, <laughs> be doing that later on tonight. But uh, no, all joking aside, uh, you know something, man. It's uh, I know we say this every month. It has been a busy, busy month. I mean, I've had uh, a, I've had a fair amount of work, travel, and everything like that going on. But I'll tell you, uh, going through the show notes over the past day, day and a half. 
it, it kind of jazzed me up to to say, hey, let's let's go in, let's sit down, go in the episode and talk shop for a little bit. It's uh, it's it's actually very therapeutic, and uh, quite honestly, Brent, coming off that uh, segment zero we just had on yeah. the front of the show, some therapy may not be a bad thing. Oh, I would agree with yeah. you. All right, so I tell you what, let me jump right into what I've had going on. We we say this quite often. It's, it's it feels like we haven't done anything, but then when we start writing stuff down, it's like, geez, yeah. I have actually had quite a bit of time yeah. to be able to devote to the hobby this month. That's so, good, man. I wound up spending money. And then <laughs> did that, you? That always hurts. <laughs> yeah. Is, well, I spent some too, uh, but I'm glad that at least this time around, your hand was in your own pocket. <laughs> oh, it was that. It was that. In this, a lot of this honestly revolves around th- that recent buyout, the the buyout that we've discussed was finally revealed back yeah. on 57, the last episode. Yeah, I, I noticed you had a gorf sitting back here in your workroom, oh, yes. and it wasn't it wasn't quote unquote your gorf. No, because my was, gorf is still right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, your gorf is here to my immediate left. But it, it was it was interesting because I'm like, oh yeah, you've been moving stuff around. Because uh, yeah. the last time I saw the gorf, we nestled it away in your garage. Yes. So, yeah. Before we get into that, actually. I just want to just kind of mention, and you and I have had this conversation before, and I'm sure I've mentioned it with other folks that I've met along the way. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, you kind of got to shake the lineup up. I remember one of the early, early episodes of the show, I mentioned, hey, I've got all kinds of space down here. I've got empty holes where I can shove games. I got, I'm on the flip side of that now. Yeah. I, yeah. I am well beyond the games that I want to keep for the collection versus space. Okay. So, I'm, I'm I'm getting to the same point as yeah. well. Yeah. And I'm quickly getting into that, that store and switch type of a situation mm-hmm. where I'll rotate games in and out. And I know right now we mentioned I picked up that Jurassic Park on the last show. Yeah. It's still not made it into the game room. It's it's out in the garage right now. It needs to come down here. Some stuff is going to have to switch around because I'm pretty full right now. If you notice you're full, I, Dude, you're full. Oh, you're, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're full like I'm full. You're full. Now, like, actually, right here where we're sitting, one year uh, on my birthday party, I actually had a pinball machine right here in the middle of the floor. So you'd come down, and there was a pinball here. Yeah. I think I had a game in the middle. Or and, then, had, and then you had a big guns on the other yeah, side. Yeah, and I had, I had another yeah. game on the other end. Yeah, I was kicking it. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, where that big, big guns was is where my Back to the Future is. Yeah. And then right behind that is Burger Time. And yeah. all that's shoved to the side right now because I'm making this channel up the up the center of the room do you, do you put all your games on sliders whitney oh yes every single one of them okay yep. mm-hmm. and i do the same thing when i first put the game room together and i put my black light carpet down here i went mm-hmm. and i found a place that sold i think i think the best way to describe it is they sold all that kind of no no name kind of yeah, like as seen on tv type stuff yeah yeah and typically like when you go into like a peddler's mall or a <laughs> yeah. flea market there you go as and, seen on tv yeah exactly yeah. that kind of stuff yeah when they sold the, they sold that stuff in bulk like if you needed a like 1400 really inexpensive i don't know why you'd use one of these circuit testers that you'd plug into the wall and the little light would come on to let you know yeah. the outlet worked stuff like that yeah well i found one of those companies and i bought a case of furniture sliders from them and then all my games and everything are on furniture sliders. So if I need to move something, I just grab a hold of it and Pull. scoot it around. And yeah. it doesn't mess the carpet up and any of that fun stuff. Yeah, I, I actually do Teflon leg levelers. Okay. The the Teflon coated leg levelers. And then I put the furniture slider underneath of it. And somebody may ask, well, isn't that redundant? And it's like, 
Well, it is while it's on carpet. Don't, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but my entire basement's not carpet. Mm-hmm. And when I bring a game into my workroom, uh, it doesn't have carpet. It's it's actually got like an epoxied concrete floor. Oh, okay. The the um, Teflon leg levelers work great on that. You know, so so I I can move them around and, and everything like that because you're you're just not going to take uh, you know carpet sliders with you everywhere you go. No, it, yeah. I don't have that problem down here. Fortunately, the yep. the shop what I call my shop, which is at one point in time when I bought the house, it was a small bedroom. Okay. It's got carpet in there and I did the carpet. Honestly, it's that real thin kind of like industrial grade carpet. Mm -hmm. It's tough as nails, but ugly as sin. Yeah. And there was some spots in it where something had gotten spilled. I just left it because I knew what it was going to be. Yeah. And there was no reason to replace it, but yeah, it's all carpeted. What I actually do is, Speaking of leg levelers, I don't use the Teflon ones, but I do put new leg levelers on anything that goes in here because if it pops off the slider, I don't want like a burr from where someone like maybe it slid it across a a concrete floor or something. Yeah. I don't want a burr to catch the carpet and rip the carpet. Yeah. So I do do that. But so all this stuff needs to slide around. It's going to get rearranged. And right now I'm thinking I don't I don't want to let it loose because honestly it's a great game to take to shows. I've taken it to Louisville Arcade Expo quite often and people just like man, I've never I've heard of it, I've never seen it, and, and that's the Domino Man. So I know right now Domino Man it's his days come and he's gonna get rotated out and he's gonna put, be put in storage. Something, you know, it's gonna make a hole for something. There's gotta be a couple others around here in here that I'm gonna move around as well. I've got a couple ideas, but I'm about ready to have a big reorganization, and I want to bring the Jurassic Park in. I'm going to make room for a, another video that I'm going to mention here uh, in a second. Oh, okay. And, and hopefully, okay. yeah, hopefully we'll have. I'm excited to hear about this. Yes. <laughs> hopefully we'll have you know kind of an, a bigger update as to kind of what has gone on down here here recently. It's I'm getting kind of. St- I'm getting kind of stale, Whitney, on the setup because I've, okay. I've had this setup for a while. A lot of these games, the holes that they're in, the play—they've yeah. been here since I set the game room up. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. and it's time. Yeah, for a change. Time for change. Yep. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's not not a bad thing to do. So let's touch on the on that buyout, which brings up the video that I'm going to be probably swapping in here pretty soon. I got a couple things on deck. Oh, oh, I see now. Yeah. I'm just reading through the show notes. Yep. Yeah, I'm jelly. Uh, I'm jelly <laughs> because I want one of these like really bad. What, the so. time pilot? Yes. Yes. And the thing about it is, um, I, well, talk about the time pilot, then I'll uh, I'll so, give my two pieces. So do you know that. the story of my time pilot, the one that I've got over here? I don't. Okay. No. Um, at one point in time, I had uh, a time pilot and it was pretty rough. The cabinet was pretty rough. And I have had a beautiful, well, I still have, I said had, I had a beautiful Vanguard, same cabinet. It's got the same rake to the monitor. You know, Century used that cabinet quite a lot, quite often. And there are some variations in the angle of the monitor. And what I ended up doing was I took that, that rough time pilot cabinet. And over the years, I'd amassed enough parts where I, I could basically build three or four vanguards you know board sets and you know things that had just kind of come to me and what i ended up doing is i took that vanguard i took the board set out of it and i and if you've ever looked inside of a century cabinet it is the utmost and minimal 
layout. I mean, yeah. you, for, they made some pretty cool games, in my opinion. I like Phoenix. We all know I like oh, Time yeah. Pilot. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you could tell looking at it, they didn't put the attention to detail in it as, say, like an Atari game when it come to assembly. So it, it was a matter of minutes. It was one of those things where I, what I ended up doing was I took all the Vanguard guts out, including the harness, and I put my Time Pilot stuff in the Vanguard cabinet. I left the Vanguard side art on it because it was beautiful. Yeah. And I just slid it into the row. And the intention was is to look for a time pilot down the road and then remake my time pilot or just take my time pilot stuff out of that cabinet. Either do a cabinet swap or a whole time pilot. So one way or the other, I was wanted to eventually end up with another dual setup where i had a vanguard and a time pilot okay yeah okay right now i've kind of got a a van pilot at this point in time (laughs) vanguard's a fun game though i mean so i mean ultimately does it does it make its move out of here then yeah and that's what's going to end up happening yeah it's going to come down to a space thing yeah and i want the time pilot over the vanguard i do enjoy vanguard i like i like vanguard i don't think that it has enough uh, stay power though to just to have an, a, a permanent spot at least, I, at least I not for me so what's going to end up happening is is the 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 time pilot's going to eventually come in here yeah and then i'm going to go through it get it like i like it for the arcade it's going to slide in the hole where the van where my time pilot my van pilot is yeah and i'm going to put all the vanguard stuff back into that vanguard and restore it back to its original beautiful glory and again it's a really nice machine i was just kind of borrowing the cabinet for a short period of time and yeah the vanguard i'm gonna have to let the vanguard loose so eventually it's going to be out and it's going to be available for for sale yeah yeah probably the best thing for that yeah uh I've got two Trons as well. So this is like the tale of two Trons. What am I going to do with two Trons? I, I had one Tron that has been sitting in the back of my uh, garage. Actually, I, I, I want to say I had it even before I moved here. I've probably had this Tron 10 years at this point. Okay. And I got it the same time I got that Gorf. Someone had come on Clove years ago. And they had a Tron and a Gorf, and they were asking for some advice and repairing them, and they weren't arcade people. And I, I traded some information with the guy and tried to help him out, and eventually got to the point where I said, look, if, if you decide that you want to let them loose, just let me know. And wasn't too long later, he said, yeah, I just, I'm a car guy. I got, I, they, maybe these were at his church. I can't remember what the background is because this was so long ago. And he says you know let's work out a deal so we worked out a deal and actually it was a great trip i I got spent some time with my grandfather we jumped in my truck and he and i spent the day we rode up to uh indianapolis and he was on the way outskirts of indianapolis kind of more in a rural community and we we picked up these two games you know had lunch together spent the day together and then you know came back with this pretty nice tron and the dwarf that's actually sitting there right there to your left whitney okay so I've had that Tron, and then there was a Tron in this deal. And what's going to end up happening here is I'm going to pull them both out in the in the light of day and get a good look at them. I think I know which one of the two I'm going to keep. And uh, uh, we're, I'm going to get them both rolling. I, I know the board set in the game that I picked up in, in the buyout. Um, I'm, oh, no, I don't know if that one works. The one that was in the game I bought with my grandfather out of Indy, I know that it works. It's actually sitting in the shop. I tested it here not too long ago. And one of the two are going to go. And I know, Whitney, you mentioned it when when we were the day you were helping me with the games. And um, 
I had already shared the list with you at one point in time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I shared it with a couple other kind of close people after I kind of let you take a peek at what was on it. And uh, yeah, tr- Tron is a hot topic. Oh uh, yeah. There's, I mean, <laughs> and it, it, it's always, it's always of interest. Yeah. I mean, it always is no doubt. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to have any trouble with it kind of making its way out. I don't need two Trons. I definitely want a Tron, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, there's a limit on the number of trons that Brent can take, and that limit is one. Yeah, definitely. So, for anybody, I would hope. Um, I mentioned Zaxxon that, that came in that buyout, and it has already left the building. It, oh, you it, got it gone? Yeah, I pulled an Elvis maneuver. Good. And uh, the lights came up in the theater, yeah. and the announcer Zaxxon came on, gone. and Zaxxon had left the building. Yeah. It actually went to a gentleman that works at the same company I work for. So Okay. It was kind of interesting in just kind of how that all played out. So, you know, he's a new member to the arcade community, and he's got the bug for sure. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious as to how long he keeps that Zaxxon. No, no slam against any Zaxxon. Uh, <laughs> Zaxxon's any, any, like any either speci- of our game. Yeah, no slam against any specific <laughs> Zaxxon. That one included. It's just the fact that it's Zaxxon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he listens to the show, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, and that's what makes America great. Everybody's got an opinion, you know, and they like different well, things. We don't want to get into the Donkey Kong conversation. Yeah, do we, well, we? I would, no, I would love to host the Donkey Kong conversation. <laughs> conversation at any time anytime um uh, oh well you know talking about games that some people like and some people don't phoenix yeah. is one of those games i know i do like phoenix and, and i phoenix do too is, phoenix is fun that's why i've got phoenix, yeah. a phoenix and yeah. i don't see that as as a game that i would want to come out of my game room but there was a phoenix that was in in that in that lot and mm-hmm. that one i've already kind of taken a peek at it needed some reassembly some assembly required <laughs> yeah and uh, actually if you look up on our facebook page i've started posting pictures of interesting hacks that i'm finding in did, games did you make an album i mean did you I ended up all, make it, it okay. i made an album now well, i haven't moved I, to this picture yet okay because uh, when i talk about my updates i have <laughs> i was working on one of my nintendo captains <laughs> a week ago and and man i i so wished i'd taken a picture of this before <laughs> before i cleaned it okay okay but i was on a roll on a kick and my phone was charging on the other side of the house and i'm like yeah i'm just i'm just going but now if you've got an album now that i know that you've got an album now knowing in the back of my head you've got an album i will take uh i'll take a few extra cycles and grab pictures for that album because uh i was uh, i was aghast at what i saw but i'll get into the, i'll get into that <laughs> here hilarious yes yes well I, I i'd have to go back and look and see what i actually titled the album i think i called it arcade air air uh, air quotes i mean mm-hmm. where i, I it's, in, it's in print in this case yeah. arcade quotes yeah. repairs and it's interesting things that that were coming across that were like i guess operator fixes field fixes or however you want to they were hacks yes so what kind of kicked it kicked that thought off was when i got the phoenix uh, the monitor was all sitting crooked in it so I took the monitor out before we transported it, and yeah. then I had to reassemble the monitor and the chassis. And the chassis, you just have to see it to understand how it was all assembled. How does a monitor get crooked? Well, it was only held in. So so Phoenix, the monitor, it uses a horizontal monitor. So, um, you know, the, the screen is, is horizontal. The yeah, long yeah. axis of the screen yeah. is horizontal. Yep, left or right. And it's on a horizontal 
pan on uh-huh. a horizontal frame. Okay. Okay. So when you turn a horizontal monitor, monitor vertical, the chassis is on one side and yeah. it runs up and down. Oh, up and down. Yes. Okay. Well, in a Phoenix, the you know you've got little screw holes, bolt holes all through a monitor frame for different. So that you've got all kind. The manufacturer has all these ways they could potentially mount the monitor. There's little like tabs that screw on to the bottom of the the frame and then when you turn that thing 90 degrees they stick out the side and then they they mate to tabs that are uh, attached to the inside wall of the cabinet and they do that in a few places and that's a way to kind of add strength to to the mounting Mm -hmm. well what had happened was basically someone had either removed or they had fallen out and i found several like nuts and bolts in the bottom of the cabinet and somebody had taken a wall anchor so I and I this may be a US only type thing I don't know if international listeners if this is a thing where you're from but there's a an old style wall anchor that I guess generically you might call like a butterfly yeah. or or a wing yeah. wall anchor and it's it's metal and they they're different sizes but they fold together the wings fold in and then you push them through the hole and they're spring loaded and it flips open yeah and then when you tighten the the bolt down the screw down it draws the anchor to the Pull, back side of your it, drywall yeah, yeah it pulls it together so it's got a it's got a big footprint you would typically use something like that to hang something really heavy because it literally goes through the drywall and then holds it from the back side mm-hmm. yeah well in the middle of that is the nut a little itty bitty nut that spins onto your long bolt they had taken a wall anchor so they had taken one of those real narrow little bolts that that would come with it in a kit and stuck it through the hole and spun that wall anchor on as the nut. That was the only thing that was left in there holding the monitor basically in the, in, in the game. Goodness gracious. It was like, I need something and I'm out of bread ties. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to use a wall anchor. Yeah. I'm out of glue. So, but go, yeah, go for that. I, I reassembled that, put new hardware in it. So it's, it's on its way out. Cause I've already got a Phoenix. Don't need two. Uh, Operation Wolf is in that group, and right now I've got it out in the garage. It's holding the floor down in the garage, but it is destined for. I've got a, new a few. Home. I've got a few of those. You know, my R type is still leaning, so it is, so it's doing the same thing. Yes, man, dude. I, you know something? Not to derail you, but I will say this. Oh no, go ahead. I had no idea that the market for R types has exploded. Oh, has the it? way that it has? Yes, yes. All my R type needs is a new base. Uh, literally, all it needs is a new base. And oh, if it's that hot, you've got the stuff. You've got a bait. You've got those bases, right? I've got a few bases. Yeah, I think I'd offer do yourself uh, do it yourself R type kit and say here's the base and here's the R type. Here's the base and here's the R type. Come get it. But uh, I yeah, I mean, I look back on what I looked through my notes uh, because I just realized this like a week to two weeks ago. And I look back through my notes, my spreadsheet as to what I paid for the R-Type, and it's like, whoa, you mean I could quadruple my money on an R-Type If you're not one R-Type, that R-Type would be gone. Yeah, I'm seriously You know what you do? That. You list it as a kit. Yeah. You say, I got an R-Type and a base. Yeah. You know, do it yourself. And while you're here, I'll actually help you for 20 minutes when you lay it in the back of your truck and the base is exposed. Yeah. We'll swap the base. Let's swap the base and get it gone. And get it gone. It's, cra- it's crazy. But yeah, anyway, yeah. All games are just they're just kind of going. Nuts, they are. So. Kind of, they are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The market's generally up. So I mentioned the Operation Wolf, and it's uh, I rebuilt the monitor in it. It's really clean. It's got a it's got a chunk out of one of the like the lower right hand corner. 
but um yeah it's really nice art the side art is beautiful the control panel overlays in pretty darn good shape the gun's in great shape uh rebuilt the monitor on it and i, I was out there kind of messing with it testing it and that, that game wasn't my, in my generation of the arcade i, I missed that game and i remember out there squirreling with it thinking something's not right here and it finally I, I thought i was like right at the edge of being done with it and i could go on to something else and then it occurred to me that the gun i thought it was supposed to have recoil and sure enough i pulled the top off the gun and there's a recoil motor in there like spins yeah and there's like a weight yeah to make it kind of recoil and it wasn't working yeah. so then it an hour later, tracing wires and everything, I finally found the broken wire and got it rolling. So, again, it's out there holding the floor down, and eventually it's going to find a new home. It's already got a new home. It just it just needs to make its way there. Mm, I, <laughs> I got you. Yep. Uh, and the gorf that you mentioned, yeah, it's sitting behind you in my shop. And I've, re- you know, this month I've spent some time rebuilding the monitor, rebuilt the power supply on it. For anybody that's got a GORF, I probably need to take a picture of this and stick it up on on our Facebook page. Part of this did make it in the in you know the the arcade fixes uh, album. I can't think of the word here. Album. Yeah. What ends up happening is is one of the one of the feeds into the power supply. It's out of the, the transformer. Has a real heavy draw, and every GORF I've had, I, I, I've had three or four at this point including mine okay okay everyone i've had this hap- happen to and had to fix it the upper connector the lower the the lower most wire is this is the feed from the transformer into the power supply it gets really hot really toasty and absolutely just burn it, it looks like a gi connector I mean, on a it, pinball is it, it a, ga- is it a wire it. gauge issue or what is it I think what it is is uh, it's not as much wire as it is how much current they draw and then having issue with the interface and that connector. Okay. Because the wires, I've never had the wires burn up. Burn up. Oh, it's, it's always the connector. It's at the end at the connector. Yeah. And it, okay. lo- it looks just like yeah. a GI on a, uh, on a pinball machine where it's overdrawn it mm. over years and it just gets that toasty brown type color. Okay. And here's the funny thing. If you look at the back of the board, the pin that that wire comes in on, they actually laid the board out where those two, where the, it and its neighbor are connected to the same big, fat, thick trace. Okay. So what I always end up doing is when I replace the housing, I'll cut that wire off, you know, cut the, the, the bad pin of it off, and I'll solder on like a, a fork, if you, not a real fork, but two wires to make, to fork it out, and then I'll, I'll actually use both of those pins to help carry that load. That's how I, I generally repair them. So it, it's just kind of interesting. But I put a picture on the Facebook page because whoever tried to fix it before, and I, I say tried yeah. in a nice way, they just they cut off that burned-up section of the header, and then they stripped the wire back, and they just soldered it right to the pin. And then they cut the wire a little further back and put a wire nut on it. Uh, I guess that way you can unplug the header that remained and then unspin the wire nut and still take the power supply out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I find that, like I said, in every GORF, and I've not worked on Wizard of War, which is the same hardware. I'm sure they're probably 
very much the same. But yeah. So that gorfs back there. I'm going through it and like I said, I don't need two gorfs, so it's gonna it's gonna move. And going forward as we talk as I talk more about that that buyout, yeah. We'll eventually get to the por- the portion of it where I get into the games that I'm keeping to inc- and you're like increase my collection to make my collection a little better. I've made this comment a few times stepping back that it, it's it's interesting. It's been fun thus far. There's a lot more air quotes fun to come with with the disposition of these games. But it's one of those things where it's kind of like the show. It's definitely a love of the hobby because when it's all said and done, I'm going to when you consider the effort and time that I'm going to have into all of this. I'm going to do good to break even from a well, financial perspective. I, I, I and it's okay. I understand. I completely understand. And yeah. a lot of people will say, well, uh, you know, you're rolling in the dough because you got these machines. You you're fl- flipping you games. Fl- you're flipping and- games and everything like that. Uh, you know, Brenda, I'll tell you, um, I, 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 lo- I love doing the show because it, it's a good opportunity for us. I mean, we have different types of schedules and, and different things that go on month to month, but it's always good to sit down and, Man, quite honestly, talk with our peoples. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, and I do that while I'm like, you know, exercising my hands. You know, talk with our peoples. You know, I love it. But a lot of people don't understand that, man. By the time you dollar cost average your time, oh yeah, into what you're in, into this quote unquote project that you've taken on, um, it, it, there, there's there's very there's very little opportunity for true monstrous profit when it comes to this, unless you can literally in and out like coin op warehouse does yeah you know they're they're that's they're, their business th- that's, that's their what business. they do. they're in on a tuesday morning and they're out by tuesday afternoon you know based upon facebook posts or this or that you know so anyway you know be that as it may well you know to, to kind of follow up on that comment people might think well if you're trying to turn these over and trying to get space back and whitney you need to walk out of my garage and, and this is true first world problems but uh-huh. it is so full right now <laughs> that i couldn't take you would you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to come to my uh, house and go in my house is, is it one of those deals where you couldn't take a, a piece of typing paper and turn it on its edge and slide it in there it's yeah. so tight it wouldn't yeah. fit yeah alex when he was over at the house uh yeah, when he visited the U.S., I took him up in my outbuilding, and he was looking around, and he's like, oh, man. And it's like, I, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's where I'm at now. And people would ask, <laughs> if you're trying to kind of turn this over a little bit, why are you spending time rebuilding monitors and all that kind of stuff? And that's there, there's that's a mixed bag. Yeah, it is. So, like, when the Zaxxon was sold, and the gentleman that bought it, he's newer to the hobby. I mentioned he's got the bug. And... I said, look, when I sell games, I like to do X, Y, Z and try to, you know, make the best game possible for the person that's going to get it. But in this situation, I had drawn a line in my mind as to what I needed to get rid of really quickly so that I could at least go in my garage and turn around. Yeah. And this this game and the Phoenix, they were kind of a a game that was a quick candidate. They were in so they were softballs. They were softballs yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and I said I haven't gone through them. I haven't touched them. I've played them. I've run them for a bit to to have a, a decent feel as to what they're going to do. But at the end of the day, that's why this game is. I'm asking X for it and not X plus something because yeah. my effort has been minimal. Uh huh. And other games where. 
let's let's just be honest. I, I can maximize the money out of them. I'm going to, and, and I have to do that because to to make make this completely viable. You oh know, yeah, yeah. I, if I can break even or lose just a little bit in terms of effort, I'm okay with that. But we all know we can't turn around and just with like a pitchfork just grab hundred dollar bills and throw them out on the expressway. We no. just can't do it. No, 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 no. It just it just doesn't work that way. So. Okay, the last update real quick from the from the big buyout was the Batman pinball with the new stock playfield. How's how has that uh how's that moved along because I, I I saw on a couple of Facebook groups where you had it up for sale. Is it is it moved yet? It has not. And actually okay. if you look right there to your left, that's the playfield. That's the playfield. I'm surprised it hasn't been bought yet. I have had quite a few uh queries. Uh-huh. I so so here's the deal. Did I even mention last show that I was going to sell it or had I made the decision? I think I think you did. Okay. I, I'd have to go back and... <laughs> and I, I think, I I think you're right. Listen, because but I think you did. I want to say, Whitney, that when you, you were there the day that we moved that game, because we did it over... we I moved those games over two days. And you and I looked at it, and when we actually looked at the play field, and you, get, you sit down and you understand the gravity of the situation... And I look at the rest of the project, stuff that I really, really want to work on that I've already had in queue. It, I just don't want to add something else, no matter how badly I really, really want to work on it, or I'd like to have that particular title. I, I don't, I, at some point in time, I want to be able to just, I want to be able to leave this world eventually and not still have 50 things that I want to build. You know what I mean? I get it. Yeah, totally. So, you want to reach a level of of um, you want to reach a happy place with right, it all, yes. Right. And I'm I'm in that same I'm in that same mode. Yes. So it was a hard call, and I said, you know, this this thing's gonna uh, I can't do it, and, and I offered it for sale. And to answer your question, Whitney, I had a lot of inquiries. I offered the game and the pinball at the same pro, uh, for, for the same money, you know, and it's out there. And I put at the bottom, <laughs> I knew how this was going to happen. This was almost kind of a Brent social engineering test. Yeah. I put at the bottom, I am not looking to separate. It's a package deal. I, well, I, I use the words, I am not looking to separate. And in my mind, it's a package deal. And, and I've, I've had several people just right away just, you know, will you sell the play field? We saw the play field. Oh yeah, and that's and, and honestly, that's that's ninety yeah. percent of the draw. Yeah, yeah, and that's and like I just kind of knew that was going to happen, but yeah. yeah, right now I'm I've got both the game and the play field listed, and we'll just we'll just see what happens because I I'm with you, Whitney. I've had a lot of people say, "Man, that is an awesome price. This should sell pretty quickly." But on the other side of it, it's been listed for a few days now. I haven't had any. Super serious. Like, haven't anyone had anyone schedule a time to show up and look at stuff or ask for additional pictures? Okay. And that kind of doesn't surprise me because if you're you you're going to be a big Data East fan, you're going to be a big Batman fan, or you're going to be a big Data East Batman fan with enough experience to want to do a playfield swap before you consider purchasing this. So while you know, there may be a lot of Dade East people and a lot of Batman people. There may not be a lot of people that feel that they want to do the swap or that they can do the swap. So the market's pretty narrow to a certain degree. And I expect it take it'll take a little bit for it to find a new home. But, you know, I'm sure eventually that will happen. Well, it it, it has to. I mean, in a lot of ways, you're just going to have to... You, 
if it didn't move immediately, then you're just going to have to wait for the right buyer. Yeah. And the right buyer will come along. And that right buyer will be thankful to get what you've got for sale. You just have to you just have to wait it out, man. You know, it's a lot like selling stuff on eBay. Yeah, there's some mm-hmm. stuff I put up on, on eBay that I'm shocked that makes it for two weeks, and then uh, you know I'll set it on you know let's say maybe a thirty day a thirty day sale or something like that, and with three days left to go, after I've even forgot that I had it on sale, all of a sudden, bing, bing. PayPal shows up and yeah. somebody bought it, and I'm like, whoa, they paid full price on top of that, so didn't even make an offer, just bought it. More you know? Just, just and just goes and it's like okay well you know it just goes to show so yeah that's where that is sitting and by sitting i mean literally sitting right there where you could reach out and touch it reach out and touch it whitney reach out and touch it i don't man i don't want to i don't want to it's not mine and it's a new old stock play field i'm not going to touch that thing i've seen it so i'm good i've, I've had all the dates batman that whitney can handle how about that <laughs> all right so let me jump into something else here something different something that i've uh, else that I've done this month. And this is going to be kind of an interesting story. And it's tangentially related to arcade and pinball. And it is Fandom Fest. So last year, and we talked about it on the show, there's pictures up on our Facebook page. I attended Fandom Fest here in, in Louisville, Kentucky. So what, what Fandom Fest is, is it's not an arcade show per se or uh, a pinball show, but it is a fan show. So gaming, uh, cosplay, celebrities, uh, memorabilia, collectibles, all that kind of fun stuff. And when you get into an environment like that, you're going to find generally gaming related things. So, you know, last year there was artists that had uh, like hand drawn their interpretation of classic graphics from games like Pac-Man and, and and the like and people that were doing that like you see this now at, at arcade and pinball shows doing the beat art that is of those iconic characters that we remember yeah and, oh yeah Mega Man and yeah, yeah all that kind of stuff vendors yeah. that would have refrigerator thousands and thousands of refrigerator magnets and they would have a section that was classic arcade games St- stuff like that so there is some there is there is a tie there so last year i went we had a we we talked about it on the show this year right here at the end of july the 20th through the 30th they had it again in louisville and let me start off with the, my personal experience and then we'll maybe get into a little bit of what could be a lesson learned here for folks that are looking to attend shows across the country whether it be arcade or pinball or a fan type show such as this so I went with my sister, my niece, and a bunch of her friends. And my niece really, and all of her, all of her friends, they've gotten in the last several couple of years, they've gotten heavy into the cosplay side of that hobby. Okay. And okay. You know, that That's really cool. ties to us because when you when you look at the shows that we go to, Whitney, I'm fair. See, now I don't think they had it at Grand Old Game Room Expo. They focused more on the game room aspect and it was their first year but if you look at the other shows that we attend they've all got cosplay aspect aspects to it they've all got to a certain degree some vendor aspects and then they have their relationship to the fandom side so there's always overlap they like i said my niece and her friends have really gotten into this so it was very i mean it was just it was just fun. It was very interesting to go with them. They all do 
a character from the same show whenever they do an event. Okay. And this year they did the new Voltron. Okay. So I didn't know there was a new Voltron. Yeah, you know, I had no idea. I, I'm I'm out of touch. Yeah. Here. I I didn't. I was aware of the old Voltron. I didn't watch it. That uh, uh, that wasn't one of my things. Um, but they did the new Voltron, and she did Koran, which is kind of like like their uncle as i understand it he's kind of a little older and kind of maybe provide some guidance for the team or whatever and it i mean she had the, she had this suit that that was quran and she uh quran is a male so she, and he has orange hair so she had orange hair and she had a uh an orange mustache that she made and she got a wig and i mean she she did to it they did to this what we would do with the game okay. they put a lot of time a lot yeah. of effort yeah. and then if something doesn't exist they make it you know and they work together and they make it and um if you've got family members into this that enjoy the cosplay side of it it is really cool in my opinion because i guess it's the modern equivalent of just doing something with your hands yeah oh yeah there's no doubt you know it's 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 really cool to watch them get excited about this and as they've learned over the years they've instead of they, they've leaned less on buying something and more on making something and then in situations where they can buy something and modify it to be what they want and we do this all the time in the game world in the pinball world it's just real it's really really cool but anyway so we go to the event and personally i had a ball because i got to spend time with them yeah i i want to i want to go to this event at, at some well point. let me discuss the next part of this and you may change your mind oh, okay okay <laughs> all right fair enough so personally my takeaway <laughs> and this this is in i this is kind of weird because i was just kind of maybe putting you on the fence if not slightly discouraging i would encourage people that if you've got family members that that enjoy whether it's the the board game side of the house if it's the cosplay side of the house if it's the comic side of the house go and spend the afternoon with them and do this or if you've got an event in your town and you're like yeah i'm not i'm not a comic person yeah go it's not just comic stuff generally. Good. Okay. You know, good to that's, know. That's yeah. the thing to take away from this. Yeah. Okay. I, I had, just like I do at the arcade and pinball shows, I had a great time just with the people. That sound that sounded like I'm running for office, Whitney. The people. <laughs> now, um, one of the, oh, oh, and I'll mention this. I know uh, one of the shows, uh, friends of the show is, is a member of the 501st regimen i think it is okay yeah and what they I are to, i need to go look that up okay. I, mean, I, I mean i know exactly what it is in my head i just don't know the proper name for it yeah so. and what, what they are is they are and i want i was gonna say nationwide but they're international star wars cosplayers and i believe they the 501st originated with being like a stormtrooper regiment it's the five it's the 501st legion legion, legion is okay. what it is yes man they're like full-blown organization oh, yes. logo and every oh yeah they are the real deal uh, the 501st legion for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about because we didn't because i didn't know what brent was, i mean i knew what brent was talking about i just didn't know the name of it so the 501st legion is an international fan-based organization dedicated to the construction and wearing of screen accurate replicas of imperial stormtrooper armor sith lords 
clone troopers, bounty hunters, and other villains from the Star Wars universe. The 501st Legion, called by its nickname Vader's Fist, is made up entirely of volunteers. Sorry, I read that just a little off microphone. (laughs) I apologize. If you've ever seen the folks that that are members of the 501st, they are really cool. I know there's a a contingent in Atlanta. uh, One of the, was it the first or second year of Southern Fried Game Room Expo? They had folks from the 501st there. Probably, I think it was the first year because we've got pictures with Vader and some stormtroopers. And they did a Star Wars thing on the main stage where I think that it was a Star Wars 80s pinball and a Star Wars vector arcade game. And they were escorted out by Vader and troopers and all that kind of fun stuff. The work that they put into these these costumes is un real <laughs> i mean it's i'm just sitting here looking through some pictures it's, it's crazy. unreal it's unbelievable and, well they had a huge setup they had like um they had speeder bikes they had some people there next to them that built r2d2 robots so there was a couple uh r2 and these these looked unbelievable i mean it wasn't like a paper mache and spray painted r2 i mean it was just like did you just does does Disney know that you have that? I mean, is it missing <laughs> from a warehouse somewhere? Some vault, yeah. Some yeah. vault from Disney. There's yes. a guy outside with mouse ears on, and he's looking for you. Yeah. You know, he's mad because he says you've got his R2. Uh, they had a BB-8. There was a, one of the gentlemen. Now, I don't know if these were... These was were, it articulated? I mean, oh, it moving was, around? Yeah, it was full. It, it, it was RC, but it, remote control, but it ran wow. around just like a BB-8. Wow. And... It was just, now. I don't know if those folks were actually associated with the five hundred first, but they were in this long row, and at the end of the row was a group that basically tied back to Boba Fett. And I think the Mandalore or Mandalorian army. You think I would know that how to pronounce it? But the it was just the quality of of these costumes and stuff. It was it was unbelievable. So that was there. They had a they had a mini Jawa crawler, and it was kind of funny. They they put a Jawa in it, or at one point in time they actually had a police officer in it, and he would drive the the sand crawler around through the the show, and just kind of do his thing. And the police officer was kind of funny. He was hamming it up. He actually had donuts on the front of the of the crawler and was giving donuts away. <laughs> so, That's awesome. So the vibe was cool. Yeah. The vibe was awesome once you were there. So and so here here's the full disclosure part on it. All right. And everybody that listens to the show knows, you know, we, we cover the arcade and pinball stuff, and then we also touch on some stuff that's sort of related and we wander a little bit. And this oh, yeah. is definitely a, a wander here. But you know, I, I we we tend to stay away from controversy. We look for the silver lining, but this is one of those things where this could be a lesson learned. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, facts are facts, yeah. man. You know, if if it was a certain way, it was that way. Yeah, and, 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 and you got to say it. So that's why I want to bring all this up. And here's here's the lesson learned, and I'll get into what actually kind of happened. But as you're looking at shows, and there's a lot of arcade and pinball shows that are coming up. I know there's scheduling issues that are arising these days because there's just so much out there. Um, I've just encouraged everybody to check out local gaming shows, local uh comic type shows local fan shows do your research on those shows facebook is an unbelievable burden but it's also an unbelievable resource and one of the examples of where it's a good resource is is there's actually groups out there that discuss comic cons and shows like we tend to all attend 
and that's where some of this hard truth kind of came out. So it turns out this year, well, last year we were at the fairgrounds. In prior years, I'm pretty sure that they were at the convention center and then the fairgrounds as they grew here, mm-hmm. here in Louisville. Okay. This year they ended up in a Macy's. Yeah, that uh, right away. They, yeah. If if they're if they're holed up in what is essentially a gutted department store, that doesn't. Well, that, that, you said something there that isn't a hundred percent right. Oh, it, it wasn't, wasn't gutted. gutted. <laughs> so uh, when this, that's just totally bad. When this came about, uh, my sister. It was good for me because it's very close to my house. Yeah, but man, that's well, just that's just mishmash. My sister mentioned this to me, and I said, "Huh, that's interesting." And it was billed as the the um, a convention center with a name related to the mall name to it, and hey, it's the Jefferson Convention Center, or whatever. Well, that turned out, in my opinion, to be kind of spin. My, I said to Brittany, I was, was it like, a, "Was it a future truth? It, 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 I don't they think de- so. Were they describing so. what it could turn into? I, I don't think so. Okay. I said to my sister, I said Brittany, I said maybe that's, that that that's cool." That space is there. It's a big space. Maybe it's this is what the the owners of the mall have decided to do with it since the anchor one of the anchor stores went out. Yeah. And when you show up there, pictures started to leak before you showed up. And when you showed up there, all of the um, all of the jewelry cabinets were still there. Oh, all the cosmetic man. cabinets were still there. All the signage was still hanging. I mentioned like all the the Star Wars folks, where all the Five First was, and the the R twos, and the BB eights, and the Boba Fett group. They were right by fifteen percent off poster. Well, actually, <laughs> it was kind of funny. If you looked right up over them, it was the you know infants this way and adults this way and oh, shoes that way, yeah. and they had just went right along with the flow and they made their own sign and stuck it on there just like it was supposed to be there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, good for them. So all that was still there. And this this actually transpired like two weeks before the show. Whatever had happened, they couldn't get sorted out. And, and I've been involved with shows here in Louisville before, and I've been I've known people that have organized things at the fairgrounds it's something you just don't do like two weeks before an event you have to figure it out but apparently they couldn't figure out how to their contracting or whatever and they ended up in whatever space they could end up in the side effect of all this uncertainty was like 80 percent of their guests canceled so that started to put really yes that started to put them in a bad light in the forums on you know facebook and i'm sure probably there's other dedicated sites out there that i'm just not aware of that started to put them in a bad light people were starting to already before the show get a bad taste in their mouth because there's a no refund policy for uh you know photo ops and all that kind of fun stuff there wasn't a lot left to choose from if you wanted to move your 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 special photo op tickets over now i'll tell you this though one of the guys that did show up oh oh, um real quick the the restrooms weren't really kind of up to snuff you could tell that they were in a place that had been closed for a while the ac wasn't up to snuff uh who knows how long it'd been since it'd been all of it had been turned on yeah and the building was locked down by the fire marshal to a low occupancy like under a couple thousand people so that started to put a bad taste in the vendors' mouths. Now, celebrity guest-wise, there was a, a handful of folks that, that 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 did show up, and I wanted to mention a couple. Matthew 
Lillard, is that how you would pronounce that? Matthew Lillard, L-I-L-L-A-R-D. He's best known for Shaggy on the recent... Okay, yeah, don't know. He's best known for Shaggy on the recent Scooby-Doo movies, the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. He was really into it. He was letting his fans know he was coming. And I tell you, every time I walked by where the, the celebrity guests were, he was up out of his booth. He was with people. Um, there, I walked by once and there was this little girl that was just giving him just this hug to like end all hugs. And she was just whispering, like just like up on her tippy toes, like she was whispering, whispering in his ear. Uh-huh. And I could only imagine what like she, she probably grew up at a younger age with his movies. Oh yeah. And he, and it, it was, it was just really cool to see, you know, you hear a lot about celebrities that aren't cool. Yeah. He was cool. Yeah. Well, that's you know? good. That's good. Yeah. Cause you hear about so many of them that are jerks, you yes. know, in real yes. life. And no, that, that's, that's, uh, that's good to hear. And, and it, like, to me, you know, it, there was a, there was, like I said, there was a bad light on the whole thing. And he, he was one of those ones that was really working with his fans on Facebook and Twitter and all that. And Sean Gunn was there. So if you don't know who Sean Gunn is, Sean is starting, in my opinion, to really kind of get a name. I know he's done some other things, but he's Craglin from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And he also, he doesn't do the voice of Rocket, but he has, he does like the live action Rocket where they'll put him in the suit and put the little spots all over him so that the computer can track where Rocket goes. Can capture his motion. Yeah, yes. the motion capture. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He's done that for Rocket. And he was there and the same thing. His, I think his autographs were like 30 bucks, which is really cheap for, for one of these type of events. And he was always out of his booth or he was always at his booth and he was always, you know, he, he made the best of the situation. Well, good, so good, good. But yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen to the event. Whitney, you know, the panel space was really disorganized because of the way just that they were kind of shoehorned into the events. The vendors had issues. I know because they had to clean their own spaces from, and all this was coming from Facebook and, uh, I mean, there, there was, remember last year we talked about there was fudge and I was, I was on <laughs> yeah. it. I was like, yeah, that, yeah. We even named an episode. Yeah. After that, that was, that was the episode we talked about yeah. it. Fudge at a Comic-Con is logical. Mm, yes. And the fudge vendor was back and there was a cupcake vendor and there was a coffee vendor and that was a little too much. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was on board with the fudge because if I was selling fudge and I thought I, I could, I could sell fudge and it would fit in there, I, I would do it, you know? The only thing that kept me from buying fudge last year or and candy and cupcakes was just I didn't have the opportunity to stand in the line. Okay. It works. You know, I'll, I'll nestle in and sell fudge next to a guy selling bobbleheads. I'm good with that. Let me ask you, was but, yeah was was uh, was Jim Steranko there by any chance? Do you remember seeing him? I don't know the name. Who is okay. that? Okay. He, he, he's, he's, he's a comics illustrator. So I, I remember seeing him being billed as one of the celebrities that was going to show up. I don't remember seeing a sign for him. Okay. That's, that's a shame. I would have, I would have liked to have seen him because I, I mean, my brother and I collected comics for, jeez, oh, easily 10 years. And I've read so much uh-huh. of the comics in the uh let's say the uh the early 80s all the way through maybe the 2000s mm-hmm. and, and now we collected for that like the time i read for longer than that but um but anyway so so within that you know 17 to 20 year period i mean uh, he was a mainstay as an illustrator just well, fantastic well you bring up a great point and this ties back to what we do the yeah. arcade stuff yep. and part of the and I don't know how I, I, I remember wanting to put this in the notes and I didn't. So thank you for saying that. Here's a here's something that you can 
that is really of a benefit to us as arcade and pinball people at these shows, the artists. Okay. And, and because I was, uh, because I was lame brained here and I forgot, I have to run up and grab these so you can see them and maybe we can mention them in the next segment. But I, this is a great time to pick up stuff for the game room. Mm-hmm. And one of the things yeah. I've really kind of tried to think about here is how to add some decoration. I don't have very much wall space above the games, so it's I, I can't really do like a shelf or like art high on the wall over my games. But I do have some select places where I could really showcase some things. And there was an artist on the second floor at the top of the escalator that had all, just this unbelievable hand-drawn art and some of the stuff that he had was um, was pop art type related. And what I ended up buying from him was Ghostbuster stuff. Okay. He, has, he had just the most, in my opinion, one of the most interesting takes. I'm sorry, not Ghostbusters. Back to the Future. He had the DeLorean and it was just, just the background. It was just one of the coolest adaptations interpretations of that delorean that we all know and love from back to the future that he had drawn and made prints of okay and i said do you have an ecto one and he's not yet (laughs) it's on my bench i couldn't get it finished in time for this particular show i need to reach out to him and see if he's got it because i will buy that ecto one okay all right that it stuff like that is that that's handy it's it's handy and it's timely right yeah and if you're looking to add accents to your game room or your space that's the kind of stuff i was i was one of the things that's this kind of stuff i was after and it it, you know if if you go and you go to a show like this and you you apply your mindset to it it turns into a show just for you i mean for you even if you think that there's no way it would be yeah but, and that, and that's that that's very fair that's very so fair. i was talking a little bit about vendors and this is kind of one of those things this this do you know what a sugar glider is whitney i have no idea is it so, a, so looking in the show notes is, is it a candy or what? no google sugar glider okay all right and it's it's like See, I, and i just showed my ignorance right no, there as and, to what this is. i'm not even sure i I don't even know why I knew what it was, but it's an animal. I, I think it's a small little mammal. It looks kind of like a small little squirrel. Oh, holy smokes. Yes. Yeah. So the sugar glider is a small, omnivorous, uh, abreal, and nocturnal gliding possum belonging to the marsupial infraclass. Interesting. Did I, I, said ma- I said mammal, but it's a, well, that's a, you said marsupial. Gosh, I'm going back to high school here, Whitney, and that was a long Well, it is more, it, I mean, it is warm-blooded. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, so it, it would be mammal, it's warm-blooded. So what's marsupial? Is that carry its young in a... In a I think that is carry, it carries young in a pouch, Okay, if I'm not that's mistaken. A, all right, okay. Yes. So I'm you gonna, can, I'm gonna look you that can up be both. Fast. You can be both, marsupial and a mammal. There's people out there that are like, this idiot's talking about uh, uh, comic shows on a pinball and arcade podcast, and now they're trying to determine what a mammal and a marsupial is. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can be both. Yeah. So, I've already so, lost. Whitney doesn't matter. I've lost all. No. Listeners. It's all good. So we're talking about like kangaroos, uh, koala bears, things like that. Yeah. yeah animals that carry well, their young that in a pouch. Big. These are small. No. But it, but according to the the Great Book of Knowledge Wikipedia, uh, it <laughs> would be a marsupial. Though. Okay. Yes. So they had they had a vendor in there. They were all dressed up. They they look like 
the uh, um, they looked like they were off right off of Wild Kingdom, that old Disney show, Wild Kingdom. <laughs> I love Marlon Perkins. Yeah, so I looked, absolutely loved that man. They, yes. you know, because Marlon always wore that like that tan button oh, down yeah. safari shirt, and he always looked like ready for action. Yeah, he and did. I, and I never figured out how could he be on the same episode, okay? And on when I'm watching him on, on in action shots. He, he's in his jungle fatigues, but then it'll cut right over and he's talking about uh, Mutual of Omaha life insurance in a three-piece suit. It, <laughs> it, 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 it confused little Whitney to no end, but I really like the duality of Marlon Perkins from that regard. And you know something? He, he was he was like one of my childhood heroes. You know, you're going to put, you're gonna have to put a link to Marlon Perkins in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, because there's probably going to be a lot of people, people that, that don't know who that, that is. That don't know who it is. But I mean, you were a fan of Marlon Perkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, solid, just a solid guy. He he always had, but he always had that tan safari. Safari, you know, you see that shirt and you think that dude's on a safari. You know, that kind of that look. Well, these guys were dressed up in the safari type shirts with their their logo stitched on it, and they were selling sugar gliders at a comic con. Yeah, and I. No. I don't think so. I was like, you get it home, and it's it's diseased. It's you know, I, it I'm sheds just, all of its hair. It, I don't know, I'm festers. Just, who knows? I'm just, um, so I don't know, Whitney. I mean, I think that this particular show is suffering a lot from the organizational side of the house. Yeah. I mean, there was an energy drink vendor there, and again, like I said, with the with the candy and the fudge stuff. As the show organizer, I know that they have to balance between uh, selling the booth space because the show has to be profitable. But, and I can, you know, I'm going out on a limb here, Whitney. I I could see having the fudge people or. Yeah. Because I I could see after everyone looks at the stacks of comics and they go through all the Funko Pops and all that stuff, maybe they want a little candy, a little sugar. Uh, Maybe I'll take a coffee, but man, the the sugar gliders are a stretch and, and i'm not sure how that got through qa or it got through you, you know committee. something you know something brent it didn't and it didn't okay just, so they just showed up and that's how stuff like that happens well they had a primo spot too i mean because huh. it was a it was a shopping facility you know yeah. so it wasn't a big open floor plan there was kind of like walls and stuff that would kind of cordon off the sections of of each of the floors because you know you can't have shoes run into you know infant wear or whatever you have to have like a line of demarcation and then in the middle of it was the escalator and they had a primo spot right there off of the square you know and they were 90 degrees away from the people that had some power energy drink that i'd never heard of that constantly wanted me to have a sample yeah and then then selling live animals yeah yeah i i I draw the line at live animals dude (laughs) maybe that's there's a show title i draw the line at live animals (laughs) yeah yeah well i will say this i do miss marlon perkins and if anything good has come out of this episode then uh i just man i'll tell you what i was just reliving a little bit of my youth on on image search uh Mm -hmm. looking at marlon perkins i man i miss that guy so overall i had a great time it was a great opportunity to spend some time with family it was again i'd encourage anybody to do it even if they don't think it's there's anything there for them i bet there will be and then a perfect example is is that was a great opportunity for me to find some things to augment my game room okay and that you know i would i would i'm sure there's there's 
board gaming expos there. I know there's book expos. Cause I, I remember talking to some people there about going to something similar to like the game shows we go to, but it's all books yeah. and it's authors. If anything to take away from this, stretch out a little bit see what else is out there in the world. We all need to, we all could, you know, benefit from kind of getting out of our cubby holes. The flip side of that is, is, do a little research. You know, I've had some experience with this show, this particular show, Fandom, in the past. I still had a great time. I think everyone that attended had a good time. There was a few things that that came to light that um, that took a, a bad turn. Hopefully, they'll pull it out next year and they'll come back stronger and better than ever. You know, I'd hate to see the show go away. It's kind of a Louisville staple. Yeah. But, you know, you know, do your research just like with anything else. You know, see, you know, if it's something that's happening that day, there's nothing you can do about it. But if there's a track record out there, no matter where you're at, you can you can get the history and make a decision if you want to spend your day there. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's a varied enough show that you would get some mileage out of going. But it's just a little weird when they sell live animals. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. seriously, that's that, that's that's a little to me. That's a little much. But OK. okay. So, all right, I got two more quick things. I know I've droned on in everyone's ear for forever, but uh, hopefully I have an update on this next month. My niece's birthday is coming up, and we've mentioned uh, Laser Blaze here in Louisville quite a bit. I've been there a couple times for the family birthday parties. There apparently is is a, I think it's a new family fun center that is a little closer to their home. So we're actually going to shift a little bit this year, and then she wants to go to that place. So it's uh, from what I understand, they've got laser tag, and I don't know what else they've got there. So we're going to give it a try, and hopefully I'll have a report back here you know, by next month as to how that turned out. Okay. All right, so uh, speaking of things like Phantom Fest and doing and collectibles and things for the game room. No, hold on, hold on. you got a Target bag. I have a Target bag. Now, Don't shoot the Target, with No, I'm not, I'm not going to shoot the Target. I'm just wondering, so do you have like a, a SNES classic in there no, or something no. like that? You know, if I found one of those, I don't even know if I'd buy it. But uh, I'd still take the NES classic, but I didn't play any SNES games. Oh, really? No. Okay, all right. So we're going to open these up live on air. Okay. That's what we're going to do. I, these are made by Funko. Okay. Everyone's heard of the Funko Pops. Yep. And Whitney's got out of his pocket now. Yeah, I'm getting my box cutter out. Or your box cutter. Yeah. So and I, understand, this is, I understand this, but I don't like it. These are blind boxes. All right. And that means that you don't know which character you can get. And these are... Interesting. These okay. are made by Funko. Okay. Same com- company that makes the pops, you know, the millions of little vinyl bobbleheads. Yeah. And these are the, let's see, what's the actual title on them? I don't know if they're titled on here. I, that might be just titled on the box that they're in, but they are, the, the, they're a vinyl figurine. And these are classic arcade game vinyl figurines. So looking at the back, there's 12. Uh, pack, Miss Pack, Blinky. Uh, let's see what is that I can't read that Pac-Man Ghost <laughs> it just says well here, here is, it, is it in English I'm going to toss you one yeah, see okay. if you can catch it right. Right. here it comes yeah. and oh it close. was so close go ahead and grab that yeah try to get that alright I'm going to get up it says I can't focus on it you have to see if you can it's like Miss Pac-Man Ghost and it looks like P 
pinky and he's got his arms up and like looks like he's yelling at you so why that just doesn't say pinky and the other one says a blinky i don't know but okay so pac-man miss pac-man blinky uh, Miss Pac-Man Ghost, Cubert Coily, Centipede, Mega Man, Frogger, Dig Dug, Puka, and that's one of the enemies. Oh, Puka On and Fragar. So those are from Dig Dug. Yeah. And yeah. my sister saw these. I haven't seen these anywhere else. This is interesting. So it's in a Frogger box. Whatever, well, whatever is see, in here is in a Frog. Well, the box is a Frogger box. Right. And that she grabbed me one of every of the bo- every one of the boxes that they had. So you've got the Frogger. And I've got one that's got Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, and a Dig Dug. Okay. So here, I'm going to toss you Dig Dug. See all if right. you can catch the don't. Here's the Dig Dug. Yeah. And but, I got right. that one. He got that one. Yep. So you, we don't know what's in these, though. So the, the Pac-Man probably isn't going to have a Pac-Man in it. Go ahead and open it up. What do you got? All right. So I'm, so I'm, open, so I'm opening up the Frogger right here. Okay. Let's, let's go ahead and open this up. Now, these are smaller than a Funko Pop. Judging by the box size, they're probably, what, would you, about half the size? Yeah, but they've got a, they've got an inordinate amount of plastic <laughs> wrapper on them, and I'm just about worked – I've almost worked my way through half of it at this point, okay? You should see the recording over here. Yeah. I bet it's just, just a, it's yeah, a dirty the, mess. Pop the box bottom open because i'm going to try to keep the boxes oh you're there. going to try to keep the box yeah okay all right so there's just oh and actually oh look. it's just got a just a tad just a little bit of uh of hot glue there yeah, that's and it, uh, it's holding it and it looks like it's there's a there's a cardboard tab yep and let's see then if you open it up it's there's oh here we go uh, it's okay the one i've got okay here go we ahead go. open yours you're i opened up the pac-man box this box is incredibly deep as well, Brent. I've got a lot of my arm stuck inside this little stop box. At, stop at the elbow, Whitney. <laughs> stop at the elbow. I think that's what vets say to each yes. other as they're training, isn't it? <laughs> stop at the elbow. All right, so let's see. I'm going to go ahead and open up the bag, and let's see. Woo! This, okay, odd. This one was in a Frogger box, and it is actually Frogger. Oh, sweet. Yeah. He looks pretty good. Does he yeah. look pretty cool? Oh, yeah. From over yeah, here. Yeah, dude. He, I mean, he's painted well. Um, I mean, it's it's a stir, it's a hard vinyl, not a soft kind of pliable vinyl, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't really have like any like real give to it. I man, honestly, man, I kind of dig that. That is I pretty think cool. I'm gonna have to go get some of those myself. That's pretty sweet. He, he probably stands what Whitney about two inches tall. Yeah, maybe maybe, inch and, maybe an inch and three quarters. And he's got a little tile. He's got like a little tile. On? Oh yeah, yeah. He's a little tiny. He's he's carrying his little briefcase like he's you know he's got work to do at the pond and you know and everything like that. So <laughs> work to do at the pond exactly look at look at the back what does that say does it does that say miss pac-man ghost on the second row the pink one yes it does yeah it says pac-man blinky and why they chose blinky instead of well they named it they named the red one blinky there's miss pac-man then the other is the pink ghost and it just says Miss Pac-Man Ghost. is pinky only in miss pac-man i believe yes 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 because the answer to that is yes is it what was it was inky blinky, blinky uh i thought it was inky Binky, blinky pinky and clyde Clyde, yes that that's what it was what is that miss pac-man uh no Pac-Man? i think that's pac-man well then that would be inky, would, would, blinky, uh, here pinky. i'm gonna have to look it up yeah okay, now i'm gonna so, have to look it up so i've opened pac-man up. excuse me we're so yeah man we, our arcade foo is just like uh, so welcome weak, to the broken man. token classic yeah. uh fandom fest uh fan show comic 
uh, podcast where we know nothing about arcade and pinball games. Not not a thing. All right, so I've opened up, and I've done it away from the mic because it sounded like a wildfire when you did it, Whitney. <laughs> I have reached in up to the elbow into this box, and I have pulled out... Oh, here we go. Okay, hang, hang tight. Okay. Just, I'm going to address this and get it off the table. Blinky, red. Pinky, pink. Inky was blue, okay? And Clyde, all right, was the... Um, hold on here. I just had a pop-up and on my browser. And it, okay. And then Clyde was the orange ghost. Okay. okay? Now, is that Pack or Miss Pack? That's Pack. In, okay. And in, in Miss Pac-Man, Clyde is... The orange ghost is known as Sue. But okay. All, but all the rest but, of them but, are the same. But Pinky is in both of them. Uh, yes. So why yes. they call this Miss Pac-Man... This, this is probably the result of someone... 20 years our, our junior creating this artwork. What are you looking for? Uh, oh, I put it. I put Frogger back okay. in the bag. Yeah, that's what I was so looking for. So I have a Blinky. Now, what's wrong with Blinky? Look up here. Can you tell me what's wrong with Blinky? It's for, We're kind of far away here in the, yeah, the, the Palatial I mean, Broken Token studio. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, the eyes are just completely black. Well, no, he's missing a hand. His arms, Oh, in the hand. Yeah, yeah. It, they, it just plugged in. Oh, it, it just, yeah, because oh, okay, I, I okay, bet they gotcha. probably couldn't cast that as one. So he looks... He's like, okay. I will get you. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I've got a, I've got a blinky according to the guide on the back. All right, Whitney. So open up the other one. You got a dig dug box there. Yes, I do have the dig dug box. And these are this is pretty cool. You're right. This is like it is a vinyl, but it's kind of a hard vinyl. It is. It feels formidable. I don't think that these were but a few bucks a piece. I don't know if the receipts in this bag. I have to look when I mean, you're opening it up. Honestly, man, if they're if they're just a couple bucks, they're totally worth it. You know, for what they are. You know what I would hey, do. Hey, Brent, what do you know? That one, that that one, one unwraps so much quicker. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what was going on with that. Let me see if, there, let me see if she left a receipt in this, in this bag here. Yeah. And see if, uh, uh, see if it tells me. Oh, they're six bucks each. Six, six bucks? Yeah. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that, man. So here's what I've learned while you're opening that up about some of these, some of these Funko and other brand blind boxes. Yeah. That basically if you go on eBay... Pretty much all of them, like when when they have the little case, the little mini case, the little display case out. What that, do you got? That is cool. So so that that's that that's our little puka, right? You there. got a puka from Dig yeah, Dug. Yeah, he from, was in the Dig, Dig Dug, Dug box, and he was in the Dig Dug box. That is exactly right. So. so I wonder, I wonder if they're truly random, or if they've got these to the point where, like, if you got a pack or a miss pack, it'll be one of the ones from that line. Yeah, because like with with the Dig Dug box, I mean, you could get Dig Dug, you could get the Figar. Because I was kind of wanting this the centipede on the picture and the coily looks wicked. Yeah, I was kind of wanting one of those. Yeah, and Cuber just looks like aimless, you know. Yeah, he, he's just kind of standing there, just kind of kind of. So I've got there. a Miss Pac Man box here. Let's see, let's see if it's got something Miss Pac Man or Pac Man related in it here. Let's see what we got. Here. All right, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Puka back up. <laughs> That could be a show title. I'm yeah. going to put the puka back. Yeah, no doubt. So what I've learned on these, if you're collecting for your, like your game room or a display, what I've learned is is that basically, more or less, when these display cases open up, all the all the ones that are on the back of the boxes are in, in a display case. If you, if you bought the whole case of however many was in it, 15 or 18 or 16 or whatever, you'll have at least one of each of them. Yeah. So what ends up happening is is people will buy the whole case like a, d a dealer 
and then they'll just open them and then they'll sell them all basically for cost like the six bucks on eBay. Yeah. Gotcha. So if you wanted a particular one, I bet I could go out here on eBay and I could find it. Yeah. All right. I'm so saying I'm, you could probably you could probably just buy the entire set. Yeah. All, all you know all in one all in one motion. So as yeah, well, I opened up the Miss Pack and sure enough, I get the Miss Pac Man Ghost. Okay. So I bet. Yep. Just based on this, so you opened Frogger and got Frogger, and there's only one Frogger character offered. I had a pack and a Miss Pack, and I opened the pack and I got Blinky, and I opened the Miss Pack and got the Miss Pac-Man Ghost. And you had a Dig Dug, and you opened it and you got a Puka. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I bet if you picked up a Dig Dug, you'd either get Dig Dug, Puka, or Figar. Frogger probably has Frogger in it all the time. A Cubert will have the Cubert or the Coily. Uh, and the only other standalones is Centipede. If you if they had a Centipede box, you'd probably get the Centipede. And I bet if you had the Mega Man box, you get a Mega Man. Yeah, I bet that's it. So, and the Cubert, you'd get a Cubert or a Coily. Interesting. Yeah. But no, these are pretty cool. They they are. They're they're nice. I you know the thing is I don't know if they're six dollars a piece. Yeah. Nice. I, I mean, by what the time they ask for these is kind of uh, you're right. I mean, there's there's twelve figures at six at seventy two dollars to get the whole set. I, I, so seventy two bucks, you might as well say seventy five. I mean, is it really worth seventy five dollars to have all of them sitting there? I don't I, think I, so. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, now maybe like thirty bucks, or you know, I I, I don't know twenty four twenty five bucks. I I could I could subscribe to that. So I tell you what, Whitney, I'm going to Google these because I, what I'm shocked at here is it doesn't have like the series name on this box. It says Funko, it says Vinyl Figure, it says Mini Mystery Minis, but I figured there'd be a series name. So I tell you what, Whitney, that's that's what I had. I, I have run off all of our listers for long enough. So let's get into some real interesting conversation and start on your on your updates yeah and then i'm gonna go ahead and google these and try to find the series name so if anybody just at least wants to google them and get an idea firsthand they'll at least have the keywords oh no that, that's fine and I I, mean, i'll interject that in here in a minute so as far as this last month goes brent i, I have been on the road uh, a fair amount for work and that's you know that's one of those scenarios where it makes it a little tough uh you know, just because of being in and out a bit to get a lot of contiguous time you know to work on projects and stuff like that but you know i have uh snuck in what i can where i could uh in between everything and I, when i look back on it uh, just like you said at the at the at the front end of the show it, it does still wind up being a fair amount of work even though it didn't feel like you really worked on even though i didn't don't feel like i really worked on it, it, it any of it in any real like lengthy uh lengthy session or anything but anyway here we go so on the pinball side I'll pull a repeat of last month. Absolutely nothing, and it still makes me as sad as it did last month, Brent. I mean, I've done nothing. In 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 all uh, in all honesty, I've not even played a game. I've not even played one game of pinball this past month. You know, and Whitney, that and that bums me out. I have walked through the game room yeah. in the evenings, just running and running and running, and yeah. stopped. And actually, I moved the cord the extension cord here a minute ago yeah to set when we set up but i actually ran an extension cord over and i've been playing back to the future yeah just as a wind down <laughs> yeah no that's good and and you should yeah and, and it's like it's here yeah you might as well you might as well take advantage of it but for whatever reason whether it be late at night or by the time we finish our 
you know, finish our nightly routine at the house and everything like that. It's uh, it's been well. Got to get up and and pound the pavement again. So it it's just not it's just not happened. And I've been I've been cogent of it, but I've not liked it either. So anyway, I hope to hope to do better this next month. Um, you know, I'll tell you, we've pretty much pretty well got Grace's uh, console game room where it needs to be. Um, the only thing really missing on that right now is just hanging some wall art, and I am working on. I'm working on getting all that sorted, but uh, I'll tell you, Brent, she's had friends over uh, a couple of times over the past month, and man, they, uh, her, her, and a couple of her friends from school, man, they they hole up in that room and they fire up the fire up the Wii U or fire up the Switch or whatever, and man, I just listen to them and they're just giggle and laugh and just have at it, you know. So it, it's it's worked out well, and I'm really happy for for how that has come along. So. I think it's pretty much a, a a scenario where I can probably close the book on that project because, you know, like I say, outside of just hanging up some posters and you know, and, and some paraphernalia and stuff that I've got, I mean, it, that the configuration of that room is pretty well set the way that the way that it's going to be. But um, on the arcade side, I will say this, Brent, um, I did take a cue from last month's show, and I did spend some money. Okay, so I didn't spend a lot this month, and I was uh, I was very proud of myself for for not really you know for not really digging in too awful hard. But I did find a five percent off coupon on Amazon, and I pulled the trigger on getting a Weller WSD fifty one. Oh, okay? okay, cool. Now this is my second WSD fifty one. Okay, because I do have one on my repair bench. Okay, where you know I do all my cap kits and you know board work and everything like that. So I bought a second one for my travel kit. And what I did is I and and people may say, "Shoo, man, that's a pretty hefty pretty hefty sum to spend on a soldering iron a sol- soldering iron that you only use, you know, uh, let's say sporadically." And here here's the th- here's the thing that I'll say or I guess the counter that I would that I would put to that is when when I got the WSD fifty one in, I, I I pulled it out of its box and set it side by side, okay, with my trusty eighteen dollar stall uh, SSVT iron that I ordered from Parts Express, now, okay, a couple that, of years. That's back. the iron that we talked about on the show when when we first noticed that when, iron. when we first noticed yep. that iron. Yes, and I did, and I bought two of them. I spent I spent a whopping thirty seven dollars and bought two of those irons, okay. And Brent, I'll tell you, for for an eighteen dollar iron, it's it's good. It does its job, but I I will say this: the the Weller has got a much longer cord for the iron from mm-hmm. the base unit to the to the to the iron itself, and and it's made of a silicone that is so much thinner and more pliable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could literally take the cord and wrap it around a couple of fingers multiple times, and then it'll you can uncoil it and it'll go back basically you, you straight. You can uncoil yeah. it and it will not. It has like no memory of being coiled up okay the the stall on the other hand it was uh it feels like the the cord on it feels as thick as a garden variety you know your garden variety extension cord mm-hmm. at your house but it's stiffer it's it, it's stiffer than that it's, it's more, not even, it's more of a vinyl it's like it's a, an insulation like on a yeah yes and it's it's like a shiny kind of slickery kind of vinyl that that um that if your hands are you know if your hands are just even a little bit tacky it just feels weird in your hands and the cord is short and and it fights you what i found what i found out 
using that stall was that it created more frustration using my travel iron than uh, I would ever experience had I just moved what I was working on to my desk. But a lot of times, I'm, you know, I'm, maybe I'm working on a power cord on, you know, on the back of a game mm-hmm. or something like that. And you can't just move stuff to a desk. Yeah. And my desk may not be big enough. And so it, I, it just got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to chuck that $18 iron and kiss it goodbye, and it's gone. And I pulled the weller out, and I was uh, used it to work on um, my my Mario Brothers that I that you see, Brent. I've got a I've got a picture of the side art, and I'll, I'll have it on the show notes. So I, I know describing it does the audience no good, but it'll be in the show notes so everybody can see what I'm talking about. But I used it on this Nintendo cabinet and was just immediately satisfied with what I did with the purchase. So, yes, I had to buy up a second one. Well, I didn't have to, but I did choose to buy up a second one. Don't regret it a single bit. You know, you mentioned that, like, the cable length on it. Somewhere along the line, I may have talked about what I used as a travel iron, and it's one of the Radio Shack... I I can't remember how they branded it, but they had tiers of irons, and it was like they're pro-grade iron mm-hmm. or whatever and honestly i don't see using this in production because i just don't think it would hold up yeah you know it's not like a metcal or i mean I'm honest but i have seen wellers used in productions i could be wrong regardless yeah it, it was it was their upper tier temperature controlled soldering station and then when when the radio shack started going belly up a few years ago their list price on this was 90 or 100 bucks and they were getting down 30 sub 30 dollars oh, wow. and my uncle nice he had gone by a rio shack right about the road from him and it had been there so long that the color on the box had started to fade even from the fluorescent lighting in the building that which is unbelievable because that means it how, how many decades did it oh, sit there knows? at least at least 10 years you know yeah, in the radio shack the neighborhood he's where he's at I, I could see that they would sell more batteries and phones than they would soldering irons you know it's just there's there's nobody over there that is going to you know it's it's a youngerish type community where they're more you know it's 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 a disposal society you know they're not there's no one over there doing repair work yeah you know typically you know by the demographic (laughs) said said you as i threw my stall away yeah yeah (laughs) so he uh he you know he it just sat there so he snapped it up for me and it uses when these when these came out people determined that it could use i think it was a certain line of hacko or paste tips i can't so you can get tips for it even though the base if the heating element's gone it's gone but i'm like 30 bucks in it yeah and it has got a lead to the iron that is about eight and a half days long oh that's i mean you can start on one end of that lead on a Sunday afternoon, and you might be the iron by midday Friday. But yeah, gotcha. And it that's is what I love about the Weller, man. So that's perfect for a travel iron because I can set it behind something, in something, and move around. I, I've helped people out where I've okay, this game doesn't have a service port. Fine, I'll put it in a pinball machine, one or two down, uh-huh. and then I still don't have to use an extension cord. Yeah. So, oh my yeah. gosh, you don't realize how helpful that is. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's every bit of it. Yeah. And and because because most everything else um, that I've got is Weller, the tips and everything like that. It I, just I makes sit, sense. I sit there thinking, you know what? It just made sense, and I've I've spent far more on far less and gotten far less. So I, I went ahead and pulled the trigger on it. I've already used it a couple of times since I've since I got it uh, a few weeks ago. Go and I absolutely love it, 
and I'm sitting there kicking myself. It's like, why didn't I do this a year ago? I should have just done this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should have just done this then. But anyway, so there's that. So um, on the restoration side, so Brent, uh, I, I, by, by the time this episode airs, I will have put a photo album up on our Facebook page called uh, called project nintendo row yo and it's going to be where i chronicle the swap out uh in the moving around of a few uh nintendo cabinets to create uh, a bit more of the lineup that i'm after and let, let, let me talk about that for a second Brent, because you mentioned this at, at the head of your updates and i thought it was very germane because i'm going through a lot of the same in, I guess kind of self self inspection, self reflection mm-hmm. on how on how I want my game room set up, and this this is where this is where I think I'm going to find myself at is I'm going to find myself with a Nintendo Road that's that's a, that's keepers okay because I I just so love those games and so I'm I'm going to have a Nintendo Row that um that that I'll that I'll maybe swap one or two Nintendo titles out, but the goal is to keep a Nintendo row at all times. And then Brent, I'm gonna yank out a couple of vids to make room for one or two more pinball machines. Okay. okay. Because I want to I want to step up my pinball. So game. Donkey Kong's going. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Stop hit the hit the stop button. Go back tap, and erase that. Tap tap the brakes. Tap yeah, the brakes. Yeah, Slow tap down. the brakes. Slow down, buddy. So whoa, 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 Brent. Check yourself, man. Check yourself. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, all, all joking aside, uh, no, Brent, the Donkey Kong okay. stays. And um, and then I'm going to have a segment of the room dedicated to rotation. And I think we've talked about this a bit before. But the more that I've the more that I've talked myself into this configuration, the more and more I like it. Because I want more pins, okay, and I want to be able to host a couple more titles of pins, and I'll get to you know I'll get to potentials on that just here in a little while (laughs) because it makes me so excited. Jeez, but um, but anyway. That notwithstanding, uh, I, having a bit of an overflow area where I, I I keep like maybe seven or eight games that yeah. that I can that I can roll in and roll out. Uh, there, I mean, there, there's going to be a couple mainstays in there, like my Mad Planets, my Zookeeper, and probably like my Pole Position Cockpit and things like that. But then I, I'm going to have like five or six titles that are always up for yank and 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 then repopulate. That's where I want to go. So I want to, you know, I I don't want to. I don't want to be as vid heavy as I am right now. I definitely like to put some more pinball in and then balance it a little bit is really what I'm after. Uh, said a guy with with you know who wants nothing but a Nintendo Row. But anyway, so so there, so there is that. So Project Nintendo Row Yo is going to be up on Facebook, and I'll, I've got some pictures of the Mario Brothers that I'm working on right now. And uh, the Mario Brothers is. Uh, is kind of like the reassembly of of the Popeye that I that I I used for for partial parts for Skyskipper and uh, the Mario Brothers. I'm pulling out of a red cabinet uh, that w- that is actually a, a five slot from a radar scope, and so uh, I'm going to put DK3 back in that red cabinet, and then um, the orange cabinet that is my DK3 right now is going to be my Popeye. But but here's the thing, and I, I talked about that last month, and so and so plans are going. So you know, on the Mario Brothers, I got the side art on it now. It looks fantastic. I've got the entire cabinet cleaned up. I rebuilt the power supply going in it, the PP7B that goes in it. I, I, I rebuilt that, got that all cleaned up. Um, I've got the monitor out. I've, I've got to cap the monitor, but outside of that, it's it's ready to go. 
But here's the thing, Brent, when you're when you were talking about this album that you had of like, you know, arcade repairs, you know, test mm-hmm. test court repairs. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. So when I was uh when I was yanking the the Mario Brothers harness and the power supply out of the red cabinet, um it, it was funny because I was looking at the wiring harness from um that 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 came off of the transformer going into the the power supply and it was and you know and I unplugged it and it was really long I it, because you know you're I'm sitting there looking at at the power supply and that that harness goes behind the power supply and and if you were to look at it through the coin door of the Nintendo cabinet you would see the power supply and and then this so harness you're, you're I'm talking, talking about, about. On, the, on the little sled deal mm-hmm. where you yeah got yeah on, the, on on the little slider where it's got the wooden triangle right and it has the power supply it has the DC power supply for on, the game on one side on one side then and you've the, got the transformer and the and the plugs for the marquee and, 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 on, and the, exa- on the other on the, the other monitor, side the yeah other. that's okay. exactly right and so, the, so you've got the isolation transformer and everything yeah, like and that and there's just a little harness that goes around there, basically there, around the corner it, it goes around the corner goes around the little triangle you okay. can't if you're looking at the the cabinet from the back you can't see it but if you look at if you're looking at the cabinet from the front and you look through the coin door you can see that harness because it wraps around the triangle and goes into the back of the dc power supply that powers the game board right okay, okay. now on this particular cabinet that harness was about three feet long no joke okay and i don't know why i have no idea did it look why. like it was factory nintendo no it wasn't because here's what had been done to it okay and, I, and did, this is the reason why i said i wish i'd gotten a picture of this okay did it look like it was just enough pins to make that? <laughs> yeah it, okay go ahead it, it almost did yes so this thing had been cut in like seven different and it was still three slots. foot long and it was still three foot well it was three foot long because it had been um it, it, it literally used like pieces of wire and it had been junctioned together strung together and every time it was twisted okay and so and and on both wires it was like this so it was twisted so the connector going into the power supply had a twist on it okay a twist like they took like they stripped the wire back and just twisted them together wire back and then just did a loose twist okay okay, with with their fingers with finger and a thumb and then you go down about another three inches and there's another bit twist on the same wire on the same wire you go down another let's say eight inches now were these just naked or were they covered in tape uh no they were just naked because why? because why not yeah you know because why waste, why waste tape on something like that when it <laughs> hey man if it powers on it works we don't I need just, no we don't I, need no tape i just twisted it together and dipped it in a little liquid paper yeah exactly and it's done you know i just uh, yeah i twisted together and squirted it with hot glue it's done <laughs> and so so i go down and i count this and it, it literally it has like six or seven of these twists oh along this wire this is awesome and and i'm sitting there thinking it's like wouldn't wouldn't one of these have been enough because you're, you're going uh, i mean that entire yeah. little assembly that wooden assembly yeah. isn't 11 eight, 12 inches wide. yeah eight or eight or eight to ten inches of length is At all most. You, most is all you need and i'm literally i yank a yard i yank a yardstick of wire out of this cabinet and it twist tie twist tie twist tie and I'm sitting there looking at it, and and I'm I'm just I'm shaking my head, going, "This is unbelievable! I've never seen anything like this." And what I do, I mean, what do you do? You just I, I cut the ends off of it and put the wire in my wire stash, you know, cat, <laughs> my wire stash. Because uh, now you've got 18 yards of wire. Yeah, how, I mean, how many how many wires was this done like? Two. Two. There, there was two wires that were done this way. Oh. And, and it was odd because they were done at the same spots. So somebody. 
Somebody did this deliberately, and I don't understand what would have brought them to the point where well, they would have done this. how did they not this. short if they were done at the same spots? I have no idea, dude. If they were I just have, naked. I have no idea. Because that that's going to be what? that That's going to be the AC coming out of the transformer into the power supply, right? Um, well, that power coming into the power supply, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Because Do you know what the, the input in is? Is it one, is 110 volt or 100? Oh, it'd be 100 volt. The, the input is 100 and, 115, 120. Now, coming out of that, going into that power supply, I haven't measured that. See what? The, yeah, but, I don't know what co- they ship but over to the coming, power supply. But coming out of the power, coming out of the isolation transformer, going into the plug for the monitor in the light fixture 100, is a hundred. Hundred AC. But you know, I do, I do need to put a meter on that and just see how many volts are are actually powering the power supply yeah. that it then converts to DC yeah, I don't for know the what game. The input is, but I don't still, know what the input is. That's I, insane. I can look it up. But anyway, it's insane. Was there it's anything like that insane. in the rest of the cabinet, or just that one little oddball? No, just a bunch of mouse poop. And so, <laughs> so the other thing was that's is, not conducted. No, okay, no, it's not. But the other thing was is so I get you know I pull all that stuff apart, and then I take the wing nuts off the bottom of the power supply because I'm, I'm going to take it out because it's rusty and and you can tell it's had some moisture, and I'm going to clean. I'm going clean it all up and and Brent, i pull the power supply the little sled okay out of the of the bottom of the cabinet and i swear i, I swear i about cough my head off because i was not expecting this at all but when i pulled it out both the underside of that sled as well as you know, i'm kind of rubbing my hands mm-hmm. here you know the underside of that sled as well as the entire area that that's of the base of the cabinet that that sled covered was literally just uh, hundreds of little of the little beads of mouse poop everywhere <laughs> and i'm like how I'm did like, it get under I'm there like, and that's uh, brent because there's no space it's right they're mounted right to the brent you get the cookie okay <laughs> because how does a mouse get under there number one Number two, how does a mouse poop while he's under well, there? Even if it did. And number three, how does he leave? How does he get out and leave it there? I have no idea. But dude, I I, I pull this all out. I'm looking at it, and I get the shop. How back long has this game been in your? Is this game been in your game room? Yes. <laughs> Yes, but you know what? The good thing about it is because it was wing nutted down. I I consider that the next best thing to a hermetic seal. Okay, so I think we're okay on that. It's caused no duress. Uh, th- did you ever have a mouse named David Copperfield? That's- <laughs> In and out, man. That's a magician I, for people. I, I that- just, yeah, exactly. I don't understand how mouse poop gets. No, there. that's insane. It is. It is insane. It is insane. But anyway, so I got the cabinet cleaned. I put on a mask, hit it with a shop vac, got it all cleaned up. Everything's everything's all good now. It's all perfect, spotless. Hit it with simple green, cleaned it all up. You know, yada yada yada. And, um, and, and, you know, life is good, but, you know, moving on, it's like, whoa, I did not expect any of that at all. So, um, so I cleaned up some mouse poop, Brent. I, I, I've cleaned up some hacked wiring harnesses and just worked on, worked on my Mario brothers. Um, the only other thing I'll say, pardon me. And there, this has been a little bit of a change, uh, on the Skyskipper, uh, up, Skyskipper update. We're, oh, so wait a minute, real quick before you, yeah. jump, are you going to have a versus 
the plan right now is not to have a versus because I have a red tent, which is a which, which is, is a versus. Okay, yes. yeah. But I, when you ask me about a versus, I automatically think of a, of an upright unisystem. Mm-hmm. So or or like a plate you know. A oh, dual I would say in my like mind. A, I always think of like a, a DK or DK Junior converted. Exactly. Like yeah. I've got exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A single an, an, an upright unisystem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 unisys. Okay. Yeah. Not a dual. Okay. Yeah. yeah not yeah, not a dual same thing, like, same thing. Yeah. Yep. Same thing. No, I, I'm gonna have a red tent okay. so i'm gonna put a red tent i think in. what i've got two in here and the reason i ask is because uh, are you gonna get rid of one uh one is probably gonna have to rotate out yeah. let me know if you do decide to get rid of it because i would be interested in talking okay about well, it, we okay? Can work it yeah. yeah so anyway so working a deal on the podcast <laughs> but anyway so uh skyskipper i'm glad i brought it up yeah exactly um all right, Skyskipper. As of this recording today okay august 27th we're seven weeks away from the from uh from the reveal okay so uh it's moving on pretty quick so alex now has now this is the uk reveal the uk reveal thank you thank you yes yes thank you i i you know what i'm glad you said that i assume people know that but i'm glad you said that for clarification because there's a lot of people out there there's a lot of people out there that were at sfge thinking I thought he did that. Yeah, how, I, how I much thought, did I drink? Yeah, I thought we've seen that. How yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how many funnel cakes did I wind up eating that day? Um, so now Alex has got all the artwork. He's got the laminate, and I did get that over there. And I do want to make a, a statement on that here in just a second. And he's got everything necessary to, I think, to restore the cabinet at this point. Um, getting a roll of laminate over to the UK was not easy. Brent and for everybody listening um, it was a big box okay two sheets of, of laminate uh, rolled up it was a big oh, box. Oh, so you took care of that. I took care of I that. I didn't know if yeah, they would, he, I, he couldn't get that over in the UK. I, okay? Oh, I just maybe so, ass, I falsely assumed that the company that, that no. supplied you uh, could ship international. Nope. So it had to come to my house and I had to ship it to him. Okay. That was a challenge, dude, because that box, uh, remembering my dimensions correctly, was 51 inches long by, oh, 15, wow. by 15 inches high by 15 inches wide, okay? And it tripped over the 48-inch limit on both Postal Service, DHL, UPS, FedEx, nobody would take this box without me paying for the volumetric weight of the box okay despite the size of the box in in that it only weighed like 20 26 or 27 pounds if i was going to ship that size box i had to pay for the volumetric weight of the box which was like 83 pounds because that's what they would have that that's how they calculated the cost by what they could fit within that space for the fuel that would be consumed to get that package, a package of that size mm-hmm. at that weight over to its destination. Okay. okay? So if I was going to ship that box, I would I could ship the size of the box, but I had to pay for it like it weighed 83 pounds. Okay. Okay. Not like it weighed 20 something pounds. Yeah. Cause it's mostly air. Yes. That's the problem. It's, it's, it's a box full of shipping peanuts in two rolls of laminate is mm-hmm. what it is. And so, um, Going through all the normal channels, Brent, it was going to cost like eight hundred dollars to ship this I mean, box. At it's that, stupid. At that point, I would have almost considered shipping a box full of laminate, uh-huh. and then uh, maybe he could have been a UK distributor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Well, I, here's the thing: I, I got it done, okay, and okay. it worked out. So I went through a few 
of the uh, online shipping aggregators that that will literally take your package at lowest bid and then they negotiate a rate with the shipping companies to get it over how they do this brent is black magic to me i, I don't understand how they do it cheaper i than, say that again you went with I, I went with with one of the shipping with one of the international shipping aggregators okay, okay? and what they do is they they literally uh, will take your package in on bid, and then they will negotiate a rate with the shippers. Now, how okay? did that go time-wise? Because my oh, first... Oh, dude, it was amazing. Oh, the thing, the thing got there in like four days. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So, Oh, here, my first bet was is that they were going to put you in at a big group. And you had to maybe wait a week or two till they had enough to go in a container or you, something. I would have thought that, okay. but it didn't work that way. That is so, amazing. So I wound up using a website called parcelhero.com. Okay, and the and I'm not I I, I have no interest in Parcel Hero, no ownership interest in Parcel Hero. They're not paying me anything to say this, but man, oh man, did it work like a champ! And I and all I can say is, if you're going to ship internationally, give Parcel Hero at least an eye. Okay, give it give it a look, because when everybody else wanted eight hundred dollars plus. Parcel Hero got that package there to Alex for about $75. Wow. Okay. And after Alex and I talked it over, that that is a bit of change to get to get something somewhere else, but let me tell you, it worked. Well, that and it's it got an odd it there shape. in four four days and it's an odd shape it's box. It's an odd shape and it's a it's a from our perspective, it's that somewhere else is pretty far away. Oh yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. So what happened was, is I struck the deal with Parcel Hero. They so how did you find this? Was this a recommendation? Or? No, no, so just blind search. Because you, let's just be honest, Par- Parcel Hero sounds a little fly by nighty. Oh yeah, yeah. You there's, know, there's, there's no doubt. It most certainly does. So it, it most certainly does. Now there was there was a couple of others, uh, a couple of other shipping uh, companies that that I looked at. Okay, mm-hmm. so so one of them, um, let's see, uh, Parcel. Uh, I tried Parcel Monkey. Okay, dot com, and it's well respected because uh, Alex uh, clued me onto that. Uh, Alex and, and then um, uh, Oliver uh, Mazzari, Alpha One over in the UK, clues clued me onto Parcel Monkey, and I tried them. Well respected site. Odd name, well-respected site <laughs> service, but they, but they, their their prices were literally no different than than just going straight with UPS the shippers. or FedEx, yeah. straight up. Yeah, UPS or Postal Service or anything like that. And then I, I was getting frustrated because uh, poor Alex, he, you know, he needed the laminate because he's on a time uh, he's on a time ticker. I'm on a time ticker because I've had this stuff sitting in my garage for two weeks trying to get trying to get it shipped. And I, so I just started doing some blind searches, came across Parcel Hero, did a little bit of research on them and decided, hey, it can't be any worse than it's sitting right here. OK, so it's it's got to go. And uh, so I went through the process with Parcel Hero and what they did, Brent, is <laughs> how they did this. I don't know, but they organized the pickup. And guess who showed up at my house to pick up the UPS package? UPS or FedEx? No, DHL. DHL? No, DHL showed up. And the lady uh, that picked it up, she was as friendly and just and jovial as, as the day well, they is pro- long. They must have some kind of massive rate That's what it negotiated is, with That's them. That's what it is. Yeah. It has to be. And so... Um, so I, I almost think that maybe they maybe they publish these rates for individual consumption and then they negotiate 
bulk rates with companies like Parcel Hero just just to just to get the person to spend some money and get the package there, okay? Because I, I, I'll spend $100 with Parcel Hero and it, and it winds up going via DHL versus spending $800 on DHL site and DHL gets their hundred bucks, and they and they get they get the package there. And now I know because something like Parcel Hero is there, and it goes through DHL. It now it now uh, you know kind of uh, alleviates any trust issue that I have. And it's like okay, I can I can trust this process now, and I'll go back to Parcel Hero and try again. Well, they, how they do how they do it on the backside negotiating, I have no idea though. Especially with such a deep discount, I mean, especially you know, with such a deep you, discount. You would think that a DHL, and it seems like a lot of stuff I've had come international comes DHL. Mm-hmm. You would think DHL would just go ahead and cut out the middleman, and their business model would be, hey, we'll, it, we'll just do this because the parcel heroes and the parcel monkeys and the whatevers of the world have to be making their money, which uh, is fine. Which is fine. They, they and they provided an extremely valuable service. Right. Don't get me yeah. wrong. They did. So their DHL at the end of the day is getting less than you're paying parcel parcel, parcel hero because I paid parcel hero. I did not pay DHL, and so when it was all said and done, they picked it up and literally in four days, Alex had his package That's at amazing. his at his doorstep, and he sent me the picture and he goes mate it's here and i'm like unbelievable because he cracked it open and you know got everything out of it because i packed him some extra goodies in in the box and everything like that and you know i wasn't gonna let it go without you know sending a bit more to him than, Mm -hmm. than than just what was you know than just the the laminate so I, I I was blown away. So anyway, so there's that. So disaster averted. Alex has got what he needs to to make uh, the UK skyskipper look uh, look awesome. And I was talking with him actually this morning, and he is uh, he started working on the cab. So he's uh, he's heads down on that. The only other thing, well, two other things, Brent, and then we'll we'll hop over to the next section. Uh, next segment um work does continue on the popeye conversion board no no additional status to report this month because quite honestly i've just not had time and the focus is on the uk reveal uh the one thing i will say is the venue for the reveal has has moved uh it's now going to be at the arcade club and um i'm very anxious to check this out is that a converted macy's (laughs) <laughs> no okay all right. no 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 so automatically it's leg up okay, okay. so so there's that so it is not so the reveal is not going to be at uh, play expo manchester anymore and uh there's there was just some logistical uh issues that that led alex to make that call and i'm glad he did because it sounds like uh sounds like it's going to be the right call so anyway so more details are available on, on the skyskipperproject.com website and that brent is a wrap for, Sweet. for me this month. So, not a lot. I mean, I cleaned up mouse poop. I got a new soldering iron. <laughs> you haven't had a good month unless you've cleaned up mouse poop. Unless you cleaned up mouse poop. I, I struggled moving an extremely oversized package across the pond. You know, uh, hey. Uh, but in the end, it all worked out. You know, we, uh, we talked about that gorf in, in my updates. You know how I cleaned that out? All the, the dust bunnies and everything? Mm-mm. I've got a, I think it's like a 30 pound or 30 gallon air compressor. Yeah. It's one of the like little portable jobs. Like, well, it's not. Yeah, you, it's on is it, wheels. Is it a pancake? Oh, it's on wheels. It's not okay. a pancake. No, okay. it's a it's a thirty gallon. So yeah. it's you know if you think if you think of a classic U.S. fifty five gallon drum, uh-huh. you know, so scale that down a little it's, bit. It's sizable though. You know, your average kitchen trash can in the U.S. is like the, 13, like 13, 13 gallon. Yeah. So it's a this is a thirty gallon deal. It's on two little wheels. Okay. So 
I ran about three tanks of that of air with a blowgun, you know, uh-huh. and I've got one of those uh, long air guns with a long guns. with a yeah. long nozzle on it. You stand back. I just I opened up the coin door, took all the back doors of it off of it, and I ran like three tanks of air through it, and you know, with my t shirt up over my face so I uh-huh. could breathe. Yeah, and I I'd run it through it and I'd step back and it just there was just this haze drifting across my property in the woods of unbelievable 30 plus years worth of junk yeah so, unbelievable but i also didn't pull the, the cage up yet so it might have mouse poop under it nah, so we'll it see very, very well could yeah. it's hard to say but, but anyway uh, yeah. but i will say this i the monitor um i did uh do as i always do uh the the hose treatment to it and mm-hmm. it looks it looks uh, bright and spanky <laughs> new man so i always feel uh, i always feel kind of odd doing that but you know i've done it so many times now that you, you don't even really think about it do, do you know that speaking you know i talked about facebook earlier and the facebook groups having to do with like the the fan conventions and the like do you know that there's facebook collector groups for crts out there now? oh yeah and i'm in i'm in two oh, of are them you? right okay. now there's one uh it's like called the crt collective yep it's I'm awesome it's awesome and then there's another one dedicated to like sony pvms and bdms so oh, i didn't know yeah. i'm in the crt collective yeah and i kind of you know, a, like a teachable moment here, but I, I've seen a few posts where, hey, I found this and it was out in the rain overnight. Is it okay or is it just, it's trash? Yeah. And all the arcade people pile in, it's like, no, we take hoses to our. Yeah, that's exactly Just open right. it up, let it air out. It'll that's, be all right. It'll be all right. Just let it dry, man. Let it, it's it, good. It's good, man. Hose isn't going to hurt that stuff at all. So you just want to make sure it's discharged really good first. Yeah. So as long as you do that, you're fine. All right, Whitney, tell me. Now's a good time to transition. Speaking of monitors and, and getting into stuff and cleaning things out and working on games uh, it's a good time to transition into our next segment and we're going to head head off the the tech and resto segment with a little bit of a multimeter conversation and then i haven't actually checked in to see what surprises you've got for me in the resto section but i have scrolled down far enough in the show notes to see the return of something that a lot of people know love and have missed so we'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah, and then good. we'll have the big reveal here in a minute all right sounds like a plan man Whitney, I wanted to take the tech section this month on a little different path than usual. Okay. Okay. How so? Generally, we're talking about particular things that we're repairing. And we don't yes. talk as much about the tools that we use. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been a while since we've covered off on that kind of stuff anyway. So, yeah. So, so here's something that we haven't really talked about other than maybe as we're mentioning purchasing something new or just touching on it as we're talking about another repair and that's multimeters okay what does it take to get into a multimeter what do you think about when choosing one what are some of the basic functions and kind of what brought this to light is and again here we go again it seems to be a common thread with the episode is this facebook forums and i've noticed on a lot of these facebook repair arcade and pinball forums the same thing that i used to notice on Clov, or I guess I'm sure Pinside has it, or you know, choose your hobby of choice and its related form of choice. There's always <laughs> funny how that works. Yeah, out. Yep. yeah. It's just the same thing. It just moves. Yes. There's always that new group of people that have the same basic questions over and over again. So, all right, here's an unrelated. Well, no, here's a related side conversation. We all know what Google is. 
Google's been around forever. Google's trying to run our lives. Let's use Google before we come in and we, we ask some of these, not, not necessarily a multimeter question. Well, yeah, even a multimeter question. How do I use this? Or this doesn't work. Please, let's go use Google. <laughs> There's a site. And the reason I ask that is because honestly, I don't even really look at the, the, the posts that start off with the lights don't work. Suggestions. The lights don't work. Where do I? Because there's so many options. Okay, there's yeah. there's so many things that that could be. On one hand, I applaud people for taking a look at the issues and they're trying to fix them on their own. But on the other hand, a lot of times this isn't tab A goes into slot B. It's it's a kind of your pinball machines, your arcade games are are complex to a certain degree, and it's just not something that you can just show us a picture from 14 feet away and ask what we think's wrong with this monitor, yeah, you know? Yeah, yep. All right. So I've, I've gone off on a rant and I apologize. Nonetheless, let's get back to multimeter. So choosing a multimeter and, and, and we've said this a thousand times on a hundred different topics. And yes, I did say that a thousand times on a hundred different topics, meaning we've said it 10 times on everything. You get what you pay for. All right. And we can tie this back to your conversation about those stall multimeters, Whitney, whereas they were inexpensive, but they had problems. And, oh, you and, mean the stall, the soldering iron? I'm sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah the yeah. stall soldering iron. Sure, they worked. They were inexpensive. They uh, uh, they have their place, but they aren't full featured. You you get what you pay for. You have to know what your situation dictates. Okay, yeah. you have to you have to think how often am I going to use this. If I use it more often than I think I am, am I okay with losing the money for an upgrade? And hey, it's not going to be the Cadillac. You know, it may be the base model Chevrolet with an AM radio and no air conditioning, but it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And is that okay for me? So you kind of have to make that decision based on you and your budget. This is like most anything else. You can go mild to wild. You can spend as little or as much as you want on a handheld digital multimeter. Again, you have to figure out what's good for you. Now, I'm not necessarily going to talk about... I'm going to talk about specific brands. I'm not going to suggest specific brands because there's just so much out there. And I've got a selection of meters here. I've got four meters set next to me and every one of them are from a different company. Okay. (laughs) Now, do you use all four of them? Uh I have, and I've transitioned from meter to meter as I've kind of upgraded because yeah. I've found what what I don't like about something, what I could use, what works for me, mm-hmm. and what was at once a primary has started to drift into backup. Yeah, okay. And what once was a meter for this use has drifted away, and another meter's replaced it. Well, I'm kind of curious. Once looking through the show notes, I know you've got a, you've got a little bit to cover here, but. I would be curious if if at the end of this you would you would state which your which is your primary meter right now and which is your backup meter oh, right yeah, now I will. and and why and why you made those choices and then uh, then I'll I'll do the same on my side. Well, interestingly enough, I, I was going to make a comment when you were talking about the soldering irons, uh-huh. and I could have made a comment in the updates, and some of this could fit, fit into Spin Brent's money. Yeah, because I have went through with meters here recently which you've gone through with that soldering iron okay okay and i've upgraded because i I found that i need something different yeah okay all right so 
uh, the first thing I'll say is uh, stay away from big box stores. You know, don't run out to Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever is in your area or your country that is like a department store. So true. Yes. Yes. There's no good meter to be found there. No. And, no. And, and if you get like in the United States, a Lowe's and a Home Depot is like a, is a home improvement store. Generally, you're going to get a meter that's over where the electrician, you know, where you're uh, an electrician's style meter. At the end of the day, they still measure AC and they still measure DC and they still all have the basic same functions. But these are branded and focused toward electricians because you're not going to walk into a home improvement store and buy electronics parts like for a pinball machine. You're not going to buy driver transistors or you're not going to buy logic tips for something whether it's a video game or something in your pinball you're not going to buy that at a home improvement store what you find often at those stores is they're just rebranded models from other manufacturers and they're branded by or branded to a tool company that tends to make tools for electricians and they are hugely overpriced okay and i've talked about the brian meters before uh Right. Uh, on the show. Yep. Bryman, usually stateside, you'll find those as Greenlee, G-R-E-E-N-L-E-E. And Greenlee's a manufacturer, a vendor, a reseller, however you want to put them. I don't know if they, they resell uh, everybody else's stuff, if they make their own. I really don't know what their background is. But you'll see that brand of tool a lot in in home improvement type stores over in the electrical section. You yeah. know, fish tape. I, I, I and, see them at Lowe's and, is, okay. where, is where I see them. Yeah. So I think it's Brian. They usually rebrand Brian, but honestly, they may rebrand anything. And today, the model 101 may go away, and next year may be a 102, and it may be a fluke. Well, and, you don't and know. Hen- hence the reason why why I'm a little bit against buying some of that stuff at the big box stores mm-hmm. is because you there's no consistency behind what you'll get. You may get a good meter one year and you go back to get something else or something for it and you can't find a single thing hence yeah, hence, yeah. I, hence i think why buying from the from the manufacturer is typically the best way to go yeah. but anyway go ahead so do you need a high-end meter do you need to spend all that money do you need a fluke do you need a whatever honestly probably not if you think about what we're doing if we're just looking at a power supply in an arcade game we're measuring five minus five 12 volts DC and then if we're going to track the AC side of the house coming through you know the from the the line cord into maybe a filter to a isolation transformer that's all 110 to 120 volts AC if you're in the the Nintendo cabinets that's 100 volts AC there's nothing exotic there nope the other big feature you're going to use is uh Generally, you're going to, people call the tone or the buzz or the continuity test just to see if like a wire's broken or a trace is broken. That's no big deal. And then typically past that, you're going to do some basic measurements, which we'll talk about here in a minute. You know, do do you need a $300 meter? Probably not. You know, do, do you need something that is 14 levels of accurate no you don't you don't need something that's so accurate that you could use it to measure components that's going on the space shuttle you don't need it you know you're not in aerospace let's just be honest when when i'm typically adjusting like a power supply on an arcade game i'm looking two digits of accuracy i'm looking at uh two decimal places of accuracy i'm looking uh hunt to the hundredths so the main 
volt, whatever it is, five volt, point something, something. I'm not looking something, point something, 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 something. I'm not looking a thousandths or ten thousandths. I'm looking in a tenth or, or, or into the hundredth spot. That's it. It's just what we do. We're, let's just be honest. These machines typically don't operate at such tight tolerances that we really care. And you're going to get that accuracy in in all of your under hundred, under fifty dollar meters. Okay, so I, I will at least say if you're going to throw uh, a price, a dollar of amount out there, I'd look to stratify somewhere in the up to you know the fifty dollar range, or maybe the, the seventy five to hundred dollar range. And where you're going to find, at least as far as we're concerned, the differentiating factors are those fit and finish those nicety thing nice things that like Whitney mentioned are you going to have like just vinyl PVC type probe cables that are kind of inflexible and a bit in a pain or are you going to have nice you. yeah they fight you yeah. or are you going to have nice silicone ones that just kind of go with the flow with nice good tips on the probes uh, like different fit and finish nicer uh, to the meter itself nicer display that's really honestly in my opinion, where the differentiating factor is, given what we do, you know, you can the meters I have here. I've got an X Tech meter here. I've got a Tenma meter here. Uh, I think B and K. I don't have any B and K meters. I know B and K makes a sub one hundred dollar meter. Usually, you see B and K associated with much higher end test equipment. Of course, there's the Bryman that we've talked about. I do have some Craftsman meters, and here's the thing about Craftsman. Craftsman would fall, in my opinion, kind of into that that Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, big box store type of a meter. I don't know as much as if, if they rebrand, especially in the cheaper meters, they, they have enough buying power where they can probably say, we want a meter and we want it to totally look exact, you know, like just us. We don't want it to look like your meter, but with our name on it, they've probably got that kind of buying power, but they're not really electronics people. You know, they sell craftsmen as tools, hand tools. It's mechanics tools, home improvement tools. So eh, it's probably still not the best and you're kind of overpaying and like the craftsman meter i have here the when I, when I started working on games i had this meter but this the silk screen i don't even know if there's a model number yeah there, this one says it's an 82 141 and i had this exact meter i still have it i think it's actually out in the garage i moved it out to the garage that i used for the longest time it's a real basic meter we'll talk about controls here in a minute and they've carried this this form factor through for a lot of years yeah yeah i had the first one for out in the garage to work on cars and that was just 12 volt systems Mm -hmm. okay then i used it to work on arcade games it's got an itty bitty teeny whitney probably can't even see the display from here it's got a teeny teeny tiny little display let me see i mean i can see where the display is yeah but you can't see it's teeny tiny i I can't read the numbers from here yeah it's itty bitty little cute it's a cute little thing look at it whitney (laughs) um such a sweet little such a sweet little meter well here's the funny thing about this a couple summers ago this meter went on sale for like eight or nine dollars okay and they hovered in the 20 25 dollar range so if they're running this thing at 2025 retail they put it on for sale for eight or nine 
it probably doesn't cost three or four bucks because they're still making money on it. If they're if they got it at that sale price, I'm sure they are. It might cost five bucks. I went out. Uh, I I probably bought three or four more of them. Now I've got one upstairs. Now I've got uh, a spare one in the shop. Now I've got uh, a, another air quotes new one out in the garage. At the end of the day, it does what it needs to do. It's not super high end. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It works. Would I buy it going forward? Eh, unless I could get it dirt cheap, eh, I don't think so, which is what I did. I mean, it's a pretty solid meter. They may have taken a loss on it at that sale price, just trying to get people in the door. But I'm not sure I'd go with Craftsman, but they're out there, you know. And if that's what you got, because maybe you've got an automotive background or you picked one up for sale, okay, you can run with it. All right, so just overall, though, things to consider when you're looking at meters. The count, and that's basically the 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 digits of precision. And again, I mentioned I, I don't really think, in my opinion, this matters. You're you know you're let's go back to to high school math. Your digits after the decimal it's tens, thousands, ten thousands, you know, hundred thousand. You know, keep on going. Really doing what we're doing. I don't need one that that has four or five digits after the decimal of precision we're not in aerospace i don't look past you know the hundredths position two digits out generally when i'm checking power supplies or adjusting power supplies or doing honestly even anything so you know i I don't think i would be super concerned with that the probes, now there's something that's that's very helpful to kind of pay attention to. Again, like this Craftsman meter I have, they're PVC or vinyl. They're kind of like a wire, just like you, just like on normal wire. And look at them, Whitney. They're all kind of curled up and all kind of, you know, you can see the curl from where I oh, had, oh, them, yeah, yeah. had them wound up. Yep. Let's see. Let me grab this 10 meter here. They're kind of the, now I've had this one in my, in my travel box for a bit and they're a little softer a little bit more pliable and other than the knot that i've got turned in at whitney look this this is curled up in my bag yeah and it's straight yep. as could be here's an exatech these are vinyl but these are a little bit higher quality this is i think this was a 60 or 70 dollar meter and uh that 10 i think was 35 bucks real nice probes and then here's one of my Brymans with silicone, sil- silicone. Yes, not silicone. Silicone. Yes. Silicone. And these things yeah. are just the bomb. They're these the bomb. are awesome. No doubt about it. They're the bomb. So pay attention to the the probes. I mean, it's just it. Honestly, I mean, it makes it. It seems kind of. Oh, it's just a piece of wire with a sharp point on the end. It makes a big difference. And I found it kind of useful in just fighting the thing on my bench. All right. Backlight is a huge help, and you tend to get that in the more expensive meters and more expensive, meaning like pushing a hundred bucks. As I have gotten a little older and my eyes have gotten a little weaker, and I'm a little bit more sensitive to going from having light to no light conditions, it is so helpful to be able to flip a backlight on when I'm when I pull a game out and I'm having to get behind a game and figure out what happened to it. When I had people over, I think I mentioned, let's see, what was it, last show that, or no, 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 I didn't. After Fandom Fest, I talked about it, uh, I I didn't talk about it earlier in the show. After Fandom, my family 
And then all of my niece's friends, they came over with their parents, and we had pizza here, and they played in the game room. One of the games went down. My defender went down. Perfect example. Got to slide that thing out, turn it around. It's nowhere near the bench. You talk about taking stuff to the bench, Whitney. What happened to it? It just ended. It just needed a battery in it. Oh, okay. It, and then okay. when I got in there and started squirreling with it and put the battery in it, then I ended up tweaking some stuff, and it ne- it, it needs a power connector in it at this point to over to uh, um not a power connector i'm sorry it needs a connector over to the 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 rom board because it was a little dodgy and it wouldn't boot so needless to say that's a situation if i'm back there and i'm troubleshooting some kind of power issue and it's up against the wall on the far end of the game room that's when a backlight is a huge help yeah for sure especially if you're measuring something all right well i got my probes in place i'm holding a flashlight i know where my probes are at now i can't see the meter so then i move the flashlight to see the meter and i move the probes and it, it, I've been there, done that. It's just terrible. So backlight's a huge help. Auto ranging, it's it's nice, but it's not necessarily required. So here's what auto ranging is. Say you're going to take a voltage measurement, and you uh, don't know what where that should fall. Okay, this should be 12 volts or thereabouts. This should be 5 volts thereabouts. Well, if you have a manual ranging meter, you have to set the range. So, like, I'm going to pick up now this this 10 meter, and I'm looking at the DC side of it, and it goes from 200 millivolts, 2,000 millivolts, 20 volts, 200 volts, 250 volts, DC. So, if I'm going to measure the 12-volt rail in a pinball or an arcade game, I, I'd have to know, okay, well, this should be 12 volts, so I've got to turn this meter to the 20-volt range. I can't go to the 200-millivolt range. That's not low enough. That's not high enough. i got to go a range that's high enough to capture where I'm trying to measure and then then do the thing, do the measurement, do the deal. If you're out of range, the meter will tell you. Then you got to go switch it, and it's not like you're going to blow something up, but eh, you kind of got to know where you're going. If you get an auto-raging meter, you just say, okay, DC. Mm-hmm. You switch over to DC, and it figures out what it's where it's at, and then it displays the measurement for you. So yeah. it's just a little nicer. And again, where all this is going is you get what you pay for. You have to figure out what's important to you. And if your budget isn't there, you have to just understand what you can afford, what you can get, and then just work through it, okay? Um, okay, yeah, the probes are a little goofy, but I'm going to have to deal with it. The I, I can't afford the $100 meter right now because I'm not going to use a meter enough to justify that. I'm just trying to learn if I understand if I, if I want to learn more about repair. And I'm going to buy this understanding that in a year or so, I may sell it to somebody, trade it, put it in the back of my bench. I, I'm going to eat the cost of it. So I'm going to deal with, do without this feature or function. That's all for you to decide. But like I said, I'm just kind of throwing that stuff out there to help everybody think. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, common uses uh, of the meter and, and how that applies to arcade and pinball. So for, I mentioned this when I was talking about the auto ranging, let's talk about controls of the meter. All right. Most meters, what you're going to see is some type of rotary control and and the meter, the controls depend on the manufacturer and what, you know, just basically how the meter is set up. So while they all look mm, for the most part, kind of the same, at least the ones I've got here on the bench, 
they all might not function exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And that's probably been one of my biggest complaints is that, you know, all all the meters are, they're just completely different from a dial rotation standpoint and the way they set up. And that's why over the meters that I've had over the years uh, or with meters that I've had over the years, I tend to squirrel some of the lesser used meters away and I'll buy multiples of one kind that I like so that I've got consistency Mm -hmm. between my travel pack, my backup meter, you know, primary meter, all that. So let's talk a little bit about like the two meters I've got here now, I've got the Craftsman that I mentioned. I've got an X-Tech. The X-Tech is a model EX330. Like the all four of the meters I've got here, these have a, a, a rotary control on them. So off is managed by the control itself. It's the center position as it happens to be on both of these meters. The X-Tech is auto-ranging. So if I look to the right, I've got a volts AC and a volts DC switch over to volts DC and it's ready to go and it does the ranging for, for me. The Craftsman, if I go to the right, it's my range selections for AC and if I go to the left, it's my range selections for DC. Okay? And again, it's all by the, you know, the the, the manufacturer how they design, how they decided to lay the meter out. The uh, uh, X-Tech I'm holding, it's got one selection for diode, resistance, continuity, and this one will actually measure capacitance. So in this situation, you select that, and then you hit a button, and then you cycle through the modes, and you can hear it beeping. And I, Okay, I want to do diode. Okay, I want to do continuity, which is the buzz test. I want to do whatever. So you're kind of making a double selection. They're, they're doubling up, or actually quadrupling up in the case here on, on the dial. The, uh, let's see, let's grab this Tenma. This Tenma is a 72-10390. So this was an expensive meter. I think I, I set a budget for myself on this meter. I bought this purely on a from a budgetary perspective. All right. And I think it was 30 to $40, somewhere in that range. Okay. And what I wanted was a meter to throw in my travel kit. And, you know, I didn't want to spend a lot because honestly, my travel kit, I've said this before, my travel kit is set up so that I've got some useful tools, but there's not really a lot of expensive tools in there because if I lose something, drop something, break something, like if I'm at an arcade show or something, if I leave a tool in a game, let's just be honest, somebody might decide they like that box better than I do and they pick it up and walk off with it. I'm heartbroken, but I'm not devastated at the end of the day. So this meter has about 52,000 selections. I mean, listen, <laughs> listen to all, let's see, I'm going to make one rotation. Listen to all the detents here. This is I go. Can you hear that, Whitney? Yeah. I haven't gone all the way around yet. I'm still going, still going. All right, there we go. I, I counted like right at 20 detents. Okay. <laughs> 19 or 20. I think I may have skipped one. Did you? Yeah. Yep. So what they've got going on there is every function of this meter has its own detent in the dial. And there it's holy, all holy smoke. And then it's got a separate power button. Now here's here's something to look out for. And this again is in the design of the meter. And if you're not familiar with meters, you you may think, well, what happened here? Why is this not working? You've got to pay attention to the ports on the front of the meter and what they're used for. This particular meter has, uh, as they all do that I have, they've got a common port for the ground cable, the black probe lead, 
This particular meter has one port for any volt measurements and one port for the other common measure uh, setting that I would use, which is ohm and diode. So I've used this meter a lot, and I'm like, what is wrong? And then, you know, 45 seconds of frustration thinking the battery's dying, something's screwed up, something isn't working later, I'm like, oh, I forgot to move the cable. And I don't have another meter that does that. So that's why this one honestly has kind of fallen a little bit of favor because I just, it, it works that much more, that much differently than all my other meters. And it's just kind of honestly a little frustrating. Yeah. No, I get it. To me. So again, this is all stuff that if you take a look at the ma the manufacturer spec, if you go to a site like MCM or Jameco or something that are Adafruit that have a lot of tools, they'll typically have this their meters and a good picture of them and you can download the manuals and you can check them out and help make a little bit more informed decision if you've got the luxury to do that you know again if it's a pure budgetary concern that you may just kind of have to deal with what you can get all right all right so common uses that that we run into we talked about voltage we talked about ranging uh, we talked about, you know, some meters you have to move the probes around. That's mainly what I'm using uh, my meters for is is voltage checking. All right. Is, is the power supply dead? Is is this wire broken? And that's I mentioned earlier in the episode, the Operation Wolf and then the, the recoil motor wouldn't work in the gun. I had easy access to either end of the wire. Well, I could use this meter and set it on a tone test, a buzz test and touch both ends and wait for the and listen for the meter to, to to beep hey the wire's good or it doesn't beep hey the wire's bad all right actually i'm sure everybody's heard this right whitney it's like if i take this this brahmin here and i put it on brahmin has this particular meter we talked about this before the bm 235 it's got just a couple of detents one two three four five six seven eight including off and then they double up features and functions behind that. And then you use buttons on the on the panel to get into um, different aspects of the meter. So like here's the let's see this, yeah. So I you can probably hear this. I'm sure. Let me see if I can manage all this. Can you hear that, Whitney? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm coming through loud and clear. If I can just touch the tips of the probe together here and make the silly thing work. So. You know that that's your that's your buzz test. Like, okay, do I have continuity? Do I have connection from end to end? And I use that all the time to trace wires, to to trace a trace on a on a PCB. Bingo! Yes. It's a huge, huge important thing in a meter. Some meters they don't have that built in. Yeah. You have to use the resistor test, the resistor setting, and look for like zero ohms of resistance. That's that's the hard way, man. The audio way is the way to go. It is. And, and you know what I'll what I'll use in uh, in Brian, I'll tell you, I took I took the um I, I took the inspiration, I bought the Brahmin for myself. Okay. So I've got one at my house and I use it to validate uh, cold solder joints on mm -hmm. monitor chassis and so as i'm as i'm capping a monitor i'll go back with the brahmin put it on continuity and i will double check all of my work and uh and believe me it, it's it's that's a valuable tool just to make sure that i have not uh let's say jumped to trace or something like that or bridge to trace or something like that well we talked about the brahmin before and you know some of the things that are 
honestly kind of pedestrian to a more expensive meter that was just oh exciting for me because it was one of those things again where I learned what I needed how things worked where I typically work and some of those common features like the backlight in this particular meter it'll if you turn the backlight off on continuity test it will also flash the backlight the backlight for you so in a loud environment you don't have where you can't hear it you don't have to even look at the display you just if you've got a position where you can see it flash you're good to go what i've ended up doing whitney actually is the one meter that i had mentioned this this tenma that i had bought for my travel case i i have replaced it and i've ordered a second brahmin so i now have in my i'm starting to break my own rule and have a little bit more expensive equipment in that travel case but Do you want to know dirty to secret? me it's worth it you want to know a dirty secret what would that be <laughs> i bought two brahmin did you yes i did <laughs> we have sold we've sold him four meters thus far <laughs> <laughs> so and, and again if if i just it, this brahmin will do nothing from from our perspective nothing more and i'll even venture to say and, and I know people will argue this. It will do nothing more and nothing better than this cheap craftsman that I'm holding. Yeah, but but the user experience is is worth it. And and I will say I did buy both of mine at one time and I got them on sale from the EV blog website. Mm-hmm. So so I, I don't. I mean, if you go to Amazon, you can get them for $125. Yep. If you go to the EEV blog website, you can get them for just a little over 100 And if you watch at certain times through the year, they'll run a sale. Will they? Yes. I've, when I bought the second one, it was just a, a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. And the dollar, our dollar in relation to the Australian dollar, I think other than shipping, it was just under 100 bucks for the meter. Solid, solid buy, yep. man. Solid buy. And you hit, you hit the nail on the head there. That those were the words I was having a hard time finding. The user experience. That's what you're buying. That's you're what you're bu- buying. You're buying the user experience. in our situation. Uh-huh. That's if right. You, if you look at the breakdown on this Bryman and and other expensive meters in terms of what they've got in them to protect themselves from higher voltage, the fusing. Um, just the the general circuit protection when you look at them from an accuracy perspective when you look at them from a features perspective there is a lot here especially like if you're an electrical engineer again in our situation you're really buying for us and what we do it's it's that user experience it's that ease of use so i mean the display is much larger the the display is uh, the 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 meter's quick to react but if i have to you know i'll pick this craftsman up and i oh i I need to check this power supply real quick and the game is in the middle of my garage and i've got one of these craftsmen i I must own like i said probably three or four of these craftsmen Mm -hmm. When, when they went on sale i'm like well if I if I need to check an outlet upstairs, while I walk all the way downstairs, I'll buy a nine dollar meter and I keep it in the closet upstairs. <laughs> Bingo! And it's just like the same meter that I used to work on arcade games with for six or seven years. Yeah, I, I I'll put one out in the garage, you know, because the original one I stole and I wore it out, so I stole it from myself out of my garage. So yeah, yeah, it, you're buying the user experience. That's perfect. You're 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 right there, Whitney. All right. So other than checking our checking voltages and then and then the continuity the other 
kind of main uses that I have, and this gets a little deeper into some repair work, is you're going to check resistance, ohms. So uh, here we're talking about that Batman pinball Whitney. One of the things that I did address on it was the display was messed up. It's got a, a small DMD in it. Apparently those are really known for that, and there's one resistor, and this was right out there in one of the pin repair wikis. I didn't even look at the schematic. I have no idea what it does. But it is, like, known to flat-out fail. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Just that one. Just this one. Huh. And, and who found this, I don't know, because I pulled out the board. I pulled out the DMD. I looked on the back of the DMD, and it, the resistor looked like it was just set in the board and soldered in yesterday. I pulled one leg out and measured it. It was open. Absolutely no resistance. It was dead. Why? I have no idea. No, not a clue. Like I said, I never even looked at the circuit. I could measure that on the meter and help zero in on an issue. Okay, I could I could use ohms resistance, especially like if you're working on monitors. If you're not wanting to get into board repair, you've got a uh, uh, Geo sevens are a good example. I know. I think there's a, a, a fusible resistor, which means it's a, a flame air quotes flame proof resistor that is designed to actually burn itself up to protect a portion of the monitor if it fails. They're pretty common to go open now that these things are 30 years old. Well, you may not be getting in and doing board level repairs, but you do cap kits on monitors and you've got this common problem. Well, you'll want to take that resistor. It's a, it'll, if that resistor fails, you'll get, I think it's a vertical collapse take your meter and boom, use your resistance, uh, your ohm setting and measure it. Yeah. All right. There yeah. you go. It's useful. Even if you're not getting in to the bits and bytes level of, of board repair. Diode test is a, is another biggie, especially like if you're a pinball person, because a diode test is used to measure, or excuse me, to test, uh, drivers, uh, driver transistors. Cause Basically, you know, you get in, oh, um, you could use it to test drivers, driver transistors, and you can test your, your bridge rectifiers because your bridge rectifiers are basically a series of diodes in a common package, okay? All that stuff, uh, uh, all the stuff to do that is out on, on your pin wikis. But if you don't have a meter, you can't do it. You can't do some quick tests. Even if you're not going to do the repair, I think we've said this before on the show, it's helpful to you to have a basic understanding of what is entailed in the repair so you can find the right person to help you with that final part of the race, okay? If you've got a, a meter and you've already zeroed in on where you think the problem is and you just don't feel or you're confident enough, you don't have this, you know, the background to do the repair and you want to bring somebody in, you can save yourself a lot of money because you've already zeroed in and you, you can put a sticky on it with an arrow and say, here's my problem. I don't have the tools. Can you change this component for yeah. me? Yeah. Okay. And that the documentation instructions, that's, I'm not going to get into all that here because that's all out there on YouTube. It's all in the pin wiki stuff. If you're looking at pinball, if you're looking at the arcade stuff, again, you, like I said, YouTube is, is the best place. How do I test a diode? You know, what does a diode do? That's all out there. The, the takeaway here is, is that there's a lot of options for meters that even if you don't want to do your own repair, there's a, uh, you know, just a, an unbelievable benefit to have one. And then you have to make the decision for yourself. 
how much do I think I'm going to use this? What what do I what's my skill level and how do I want that skill level to grow and play all that into how much money you want to spend? And again, I would suggest that you spend as much as you can because in this hobby to me the main test tool is a multimeter. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Screwdrivers are helpful. You know, their hand tools are helpful. Soldering iron is helpful. <laughs> orange mallets are helpful. Yeah, orange, yeah, yes. orange mallets are helpful. At the end of the day, I spend more time with my face in a multimeter than I do in anything else. Because it's that multimeter nine times out of ten, I'm having to use that to diagnose and get me to the point where I'm breaking out the soldering iron, where I'm breaking out the hand tools, where I'm getting the parts. It's that multimeter that leads me there. So, you know, you know, with that, Whitney, I, 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 do you have anything to add? Is yeah, I, the only Oh, you, you had a question. Add something you had a question about. Did, I think I answered it, though, as to what, what I've done in terms of my travel meter. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the only thing that I was going to add is, is I've been through uh, a host of meters, well, Before, look at this. I've got a layout here, and this is not near all of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, and, and I'm, I'm not – I don't think that I've – I don't know, Brenda. I would have to go back and kind of tally it up. I mean, I did my first run on the red-jacketed uh, Craftsman meters just like you did, okay? I think I've got two two of them at the house. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I have found is uh, for the backup kind of, quote-unquote, the throwaway meter, meaning the meter that – if I drop it, it, okay. If you leave if, it in the driveway and it gets I, run over by the truck. If I leave it in the driveway and it gets run over, okay. If it if it bounces seven times on concrete and still works, okay. Uh, one of those things is the um, is the Equus thirty three twenty. And now you can get this at Amazon. And the reason that I like this as a backup meter is because number one, it has a um, it has detents specifically for doing battery testing, which around the house is actually a very handy thing, a very handy thing to have because I can give the meter to my daughter or to my wife and say, here, check your own batteries. And, and it actually, it works out pretty well. So what, this is a what? It's an Equus? Equus. E-Q-U-U-S 3320. I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, it's a, it's about a $30, 30-ish up or down um, meter from Amazon today now when i bought my equus i bought like three or four of them at once and i paid like 18 dollars a piece for them okay and, and and i know this because i went back and searched my email from when i did the initial buy so they, they've gone up in price i'm not really sure why but uh, i mean is it is it really worth a 30 30 bucks for the meter to me that's kind of stretching it uh it was definitely a solid buy at 18 you know at 17 or 18 dollars no doubt about it uh, it's got a it's got a very very big uh, numeric display on it. It's not backlit or anything like that, but it is a significant portion of the screen, and it's easy to see from from far away. So here's okay? something interesting too. It's yeah. the if you look at it, Walmart.com, uh, which isn't Walmart stuff. I mean, basically Walmart is trying to do like an Amazon, and yeah. it, it they host resellers actually this says buy equus so equus must sell directly on walmart.com okay it's 18 dollars and 52 cents there you go yeah okay so yeah buy buy from walmart get or it ebay it. they're on ebay yeah 15 bucks okay there you go ebay walmart buy there to get the to get the price that the meters is in my mind truly worth 
But the good thing about it is it does come with a nice little pack for your leads, and it, it does make it um, a fairly portable setup. But all that notwithstanding, uh, I've been through, you know, I, I went through a couple Harbor Freight meters, and they're just... Um, you know, the throwaway Harbor Freight meters, the $7, $9 throwaway Harbor Freight meters are literally just that, throwaway mm-hmm. meters. Uh, but I have. I've settled on the Bryman, the 235. And I and Brenna, it's it's nice because I really wasn't uh, exposed to that brand before hearing about it here on the show. Went back to the EEV blog. I've subscribed to them since then. Uh, watched quite a few of their videos. Watched their review on the Bryman. And for what you're able to get it for and you get it in your hands and then use it, the user experience is superior. There's no doubt about it. And I I do. I love the Bryman. So I've got a Bryman on my bench, okay? I've got a Bryman in my travel, uh, in in my travel pack, I guess. And I went ahead and bought up and got that because I wanted to to use the same one in both settings. And then I've got the Equus is just the ones that are in a drawer somewhere. Mm -hmm. If I'm upstairs, I need a meter. I know where I've got one. I know where one is at. And it, it's it's quick. It's you know it's kind of like the down and dirty meter. And uh, if something happens to it, I don't care. But a lot of times, I I find myself now, I will go. I'll, I'll go walk the house to get the Bryman because I like it. <laughs> if, yeah. If I'm doing something real quick, like hey, did my um, is this outlet okay? Did I did I pop a ground fault or something? Exactly. I'll grab the the Craftsman that's literally upstairs in yeah. the closet. Uh huh. But if I'm doing, if I know I want to be poking around for a bit, I'll go get a better meter. That's exactly right. So while you were talking, I ran these down. That the Craftsman is fourteen ninety nine. So that's what that meter runs now. And generally, like if if you're in a location, if you're somewhere in the world that has a that has Sears, and Sears is going away, the, the department store Sears. But usually you could walk into a Sears around Christmas time and they'll have these things by the case, like a pallet of them yeah. in, in not even in boxes. They're like in plastic hand cards and they'll run them for sale because they're like stocking stuffer level type things. Yeah. And it, that, that's my drawer meter is, these, is this craftsman the at craftsman. this point. Yeah. Yeah. So then the Tenma, that came from MCM Electronics and MCM is pretty cool in that if you go and look at their selection of digital handheld multimeters they have quite a few and you can do you know by manufacturer by price range by yada 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 they've got a lot of ways to slice and dice it so you can see a lot of meters in one place really quick this meter is the the 72-10390 this is the one that was my main kind of travel meter and again this one was bought on for budget budgetary concerns i didn't want too expensive of a meter. Twenty three ninety nine is what this runs, and it's it's a fine little meter. I mean, it works just fine. Again, I am not in aerospace. Yeah, I I, I just need to measure a five volt rail. I, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it for what it is, it works great. All right, the Exatech was actually my step up meter for my bench at, for a while when I wanted to retire this Craftsman and get something with a bigger display. And it just was, you know, auto ranging, and it's an EX three thirty, and it runs about fifty five bucks. Okay. And honestly, I didn't stick with it very long. I've had this meter a couple years, and 
then we're now we're into these Brymans, which is my next step up, and we've already discussed. They're about hundred bucks. Uh-huh. They've got a real nice kind of grippy. Oh, yeah. sleeve that they're in and a yeah. big display and nice probe li- probes with nice leads yeah. and silicone at that silicone at that so again all of these will work if i if i need to pop the the back glass out of the high speed and measure the 12 volt line or measure see if i'm getting voltage down you know high voltage down the play field to one of the coils all four of these meters will work just fine you're paying for that user experience. Yeah. These will all do the same thing. So, so at the end of the day, I guess basically I've talked for 45 minutes and just said, buy what you can afford. <laughs> that's what it all kind of comes or, down or, to. Or buy the Brahmin. Yeah. That, that's what I hear. It, it, the, the net net of this is buy what you can afford. And if you can't afford the Brahmin, buy the Brahmin. So that, let's that's just, what I heard. Let's just be honest here. If you're in this hobby, you need to have some disposable income because this hobby is not a hobby that you can get into inexpensively. Yes. You know, if you're not doing your own repair work, you've got to have the the bank to be able to pay somebody else to do the repair work. And if you can do some of your own basic troubleshooting, you're already miles ahead of the game. Yeah. yeah, You're a leg up. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think you're going to use a meter more than, once a month i mean i'd go for at least a 50 or 60 dollar meter and get you a fairly decent one but if you think or feel that having something like the brahmin is going to make the entire process more enjoyable more consistent or at least less uh, less frustrating then at that point (laughs) catch it on sale and get it and you will not be sorry Mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it so Brent, with that, speaking of disposable income, let's talk about a whole lot of disposable income right now. Sweet. Yes. So, you know what? I've said this uh, several times. I will say it again. I am flabbergasted by the sheer amount of new stuff that comes out for 30-year-old machines. Uh, I'm flabbergasted by the sheer amount of new stuff that comes out every month for 30-year-old machines, okay? Mm-hmm. And this month is no exception. Brent, when we look at the the amount of reproduction artwork, restoration items that it, that that have kind of debuted onto the scene over the over the last month, I mean, as I was putting all this together, I was I mean, I was shocked. So, first up, this is uh and Brent, I'll tell you, I have played Junior Pac uh, Junior Pac-Man. I have never owned a Junior Pac-Man. Have you ever played it before? Oh, I love the game? it. Yeah, I do. It is a fantastic game. I, I do. I absolutely I like it. I, I do. I adore the game. A local had one for sale here at Louisville Arcade Expo. Really? And Man, I, 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 sh- I should have bought it. And it now it was in a Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man style cabinet. It wasn't in the the mappy style the cabinet. Mappy style with cabinet, the, yeah. And he had a really good price on it, and I sat there and I just stared at it, and I thought, oh, I should buy. How, how much? Just out of curiosity. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I remember, but I don't. Yeah. Do you think we should discuss? Oh, you know. Okay, then then probably. Not. <laughs> but I, but you know, it there's had, a part of me that's curious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the game is the game is it actually was sold. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Um. But I, I looked at it and I thought, man, I and it honestly the only thing that kept me from buying it was i just I, i've got well, I, i'm yeah. in that i'm in that store and swap I, I, yeah yep i mode. know i know and that I, I as much as i liked it i'm like i don't know if i it, where does it fall in the strata of of games that i want to dedicate space that's to. exactly right but it is a fun game yep. i will say that so for so as far as junior pac-man is concerned um this is 
reproduction marquee for the Mappy style uh, light box, back box, and CPO. And these are being sold by Pacific Arcade. Uh, this is a cloth form member, Junior Pack, who who has done the work on uh, on reproducing these two pieces, and they are being printed by Rich at this old game, and they are they're absolutely beautiful. Uh, I mean, when you look at the control panel overlay and you look at just the difference in the colors and in, in the marquee, it's 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 fantastic. So, if I had a Junior Pac Man, I'd be all over this because much like Mappy, especially the marquees in, in the in the backlight box, they're severely faded. I mean, like uh, my original Mappy marquee was just so so faded. Uh, and then uh, Darren at, and is that co- is it common? I know the Mappies are common to fade. Yeah, so. yeah from what I hear, the Junior Packs are common are as to well. fade as well. Yeah, it's the, the yellows fade and, and the reds fade significantly, and um, and so anyway, yeah. So so Darren at Phoenix Arcade redid the redid the Mappy uh, marquees, and then uh, Rich is printed with uh, with uh, Pacific Arcades. Rich is printed the Junior Pac Man, and and they they look. They look so good. Um, so, like I say, that's that, that's available new on the scene. I know they they've been uh, they, they've been in discussion on Clob for several months, but I, I saw over just the past four to six weeks where people were starting to confirm that they were getting them shipped. So, I think we're at the point where this it, it's it's a safe buy at this point. So, you know, you're you're looking at you know if, if you want to do glass on the marquee, you're looking at one hundred and ten dollars. I mean, that's a huge piece of glass. Uh, plexi around a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's like I, shipping a bezel. It is. It really is. It's like shipping a bezel. And then uh, the CPOs are sixty dollars, which I mean, that's in, in my mind, that's high for a CPO. But at the same point, um, this this is one of those more niche titles that you you probably wouldn't see done from from a mainstream perspective so if you're interested in it 60 bucks is not really that is not really that outlandish i, mean, I thought so, that was about you know. the going right for a cpo these days yeah i mean I, I it depends on the size of the cpo it really does and then how it's printed but i, I mean some cpos i've seen upwards of a hundred dollars mm-hmm. others you see for 25 or 35 and so it, it kind of runs the gamut but uh but nonetheless i mean 60 bucks it, it's right in there uh, the next thing that's up, Brent, and this is a game that I like playing back in the day. I have not revisited Scramble uh, to see if it holds up. I've not, I've not played Scramble in years and years and years. Was that ever a game that you liked? I did. Yeah. And years ago, the, the, you know, you talk about the games that got away. Okay. The one that always comes to mind, if you ask me cold, if you woke me up, Whitney, if you woke me up from a cold, a dead sleep. Three o'clock in the morning, shook, shook me awake, and the first thing you said, right when I went, oh, oh, you said, "What game do you regret, regret, regret not getting?" Yeah, but Scram- you, but you, but you didn't stutter it. Yeah, I was supposed to scramble. Scramble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wipe the sleep from your eyes. Yeah, exactly. A, scramble. A good friend of mine, who's now become a good friend of mine. Uh huh. I'd go up and visit him in Ohio and buy some games from him on occasion, and we'd hang out. And he had the most beautiful scramble in the back of one of his buildings and it was it didn't work and back, that's okay. i mean that's okay back then it would back then it was a little bit more daunting to me than, it, than yeah. it is today yeah and if memory serves that berserk came from him on that same day and i should have bought this was the scramble with the dedicated scramble art it wasn't in a generic cab with the big stern down the side yes, of it definitely. it was in a yellow cab with that beautiful art on it yes and the game was 
gorgeous. Gorgeous. And yeah. To this day. Yeah. I regret not having gotten that well, cabinet. Well, it's interesting because my brother and I played scramble on location back in the day, and the same supermarket, or not supermarket, I'm sorry, the same convenience store that had this scramble, and this scramble was the exact same scramble, the same same type scramble you're mentioning, Brent. Dedicated mm-hmm. side art, beautiful marquee, beautiful bezel, everything. Uh, that same uh, that same convenience mart had the zookeeper as well. Oh, okay. yeah. So my brother and I played scramble a lot, and so I've got some nostalgia for it, but I've not played it in I've not played it in easily fifteen twenty years. So I'm just curious if we can you can play it right now. There's one in the building. Oh, is there? Yes. Okay. Well, good. Good and, to and know. And I'm trying to remember. It it came in in the buyout, and it's in a, a stern cabinet. Stern but it, cabinet, the cabinet's yeah. been painted, yeah. so it there was just painted over the stern. You know, uh, they, they used to go kind of in a diagonal. Yeah, on a diagonal. Yeah. So uh, it's not the it's not the other version of the cabinet we're talking about with all the art. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the bezel looks like in it. Hmm, interesting. I mean, it, it might be something to might be something to look at for sure. Yeah. But. I'm just curious if Scramble would would hold up. I think it would, but I, you know, I always remember it being like really, really challenging. Mm-hmm. It got hard. It, you know, the difficulty ramped up pretty quick. But I always thought it was fun. Anyway, l- very long winded way of saying that screen printed glass Scramble bezels are now available at Phoenix Arcade. Hundred and thirty dollars. And if you think about screen printed on glass, uh, that's I mean that that's right there that's right there in the money and it looks I mean it looks be, it looks absolutely beautiful absolutely beautiful so phoenixarcade.com check that out the next one Brent is uh is up from this old game from Rich and Kendra at thisoldgame.com and uh I'm going to buy a set of these because I have a Mr. Do in a universe in a dedicated universal cabinet. Oh, okay. And my Mr. Do needs these in the worst of ways. Okay, something awful. This is laser cut plexi for Mr. Do. This is the control panel overlay at $45 and it includes the control panel uh the joystick uh in the button housing or the relief cuts for the for the buttons. And it also has the instruction card, and it looks. Uh, now, I it know looks those beautiful. those dedicated universal cabinets. Uh huh. The control panel area is tiny. Oh, like, it's tiny. Like verti- vertical. Yes. But it, the width wise, that almost looks like a cabaret width wise. Well, it, it does, but I'll tell you, it's it's spot on. Is it? It is. Oh, it's if Rich did it, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's spot yeah. on. But you're right. It looks weird in comparison if, to, let's say, an Atari control right. panel or something. Let, let's like just that. say if Rich did it, it probably. Uh, if Rich did it, it's safe to say that Universal never made one that nice. That's exa- yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> and and if we move on down, you know, through the notes, you'll see that uh, he's also got the background that, that goes that goes in. Oh, it's kind of like sweet. it sits yep. in behind the it, at the back of the of the cabinet itself, and and kind of serves to reflect some of the light. I like I like how. Uh, stern crud i'm on the scramble thing i liked how universal did that oh because they did it for all their dedicated games is absolutely beautiful so if you're not sure if you're not aware what we're talking about like when you look in the pocket the the area whatever you want to call it i don't know if there's an official name for that or the monitor sets Mm -hmm. okay it's basically that that cubby that alcove Uh, as i look around almost all the games i've got here it's all blacked out yeah 
well, that back wall of that space, like if you were to look right straight ahead into that cubby, that opening, that back wall is generally blacked out. Yeah. Well, Universal put artwork there. Yeah, and they put the they put the oh, most yes. beautiful and, and and I would say patently unique artwork yep. on the back of those games. And so for $60, Rich has got a uh, laser cut uh, repro of the background and then the marquee for $49 for $50. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, 110 and then 45. So 155 to deck out your Mr. Do start to finish on with brand new spanking new vibrant artwork. I, you know, I like Mr. Do, and I, I like the Universal Cabinet. And I, in order to get my Mr. Do looking the way I want it to, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to hit up on that. But anyway, that's from thisoldgame.com. Uh, well, so. I'm going to have to go back to, and I know that it's from Phoenix Arcade. I'm going to have to take a look at that scramble bezel. I need yeah. to look and see what's in mine. Yeah, I need a Berserk bezel, but man, I think those run. Those were high. Dollar, those are high man. dollars. Those were high so dollar. I want 130 bucks on this is is. A steal. Yeah, compar- comparatively. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it, it is. is. Anyway. Yeah, so the next thing that's up, Brent, and, um, you know, I, th- I found this to be fairly uh, fairly neat, and uh, I don't know that I've seen one of these before, but this is a switching power supply adapter. It's at $25, and that's shipped to your door. It's a switching power supply adapter for uh, for a Pac-Man, okay? And, and it'll work for Miss Pac-Man and also Pac-Man Plus, and it what it does is essentially it allows you to use a switch a switching power supply inside the inside these particular games. You can leave the original power supply in uh, if you want to. Uh, remove the fuses, do whatever uh, you know. Leave it in for for whatever reason you might want to want to have it in there. Um, but uh, yeah, it does include a wire harness. Uh, includes um, it, it does require a power supply that has both 12 volt and 5 volt uh, available. But again, you know, the nice thing about this is, is that uh, I think it helps you to modernize those mm-hmm. those games and uh, alleviate some of the uh, failure points so, in so those machines. Here, here's the deal on this, and this is a this is a perfect plug and play solution for somebody that doesn't want to poke around and do it on their on their own. True, and it's cheap, and it is cheap. Twenty five dollars for for that PCB to your and door. The, those silly connectors on the end, those long uh, edge connectors. Those are stupid expensive individually, so twenty and then the wiring harness and all that. So yeah, this is this is almost worth the. I, I don't even go to do it myself. I'll just buy this <laughs> quotient. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but what goes on here is those pack boards. They take AC current, and then they have their own DC power supply on the top edge of the board, and you can do this by feeding DC from a switching power supply into the front side of that circuit and then you just have to turn up the 5 volt a little bit to push through the push it all the way through to push yeah because what happens is you actually have a voltage drop when you go through the diodes and the bridge to, to do the conversion well it just uses a couple of the diodes pass through it's a I mean we don't have to get into the bits and bytes of it here but you have to figure out where to splice that in at and then if you want to do it right you have to make a, a disconnect so you take the board out you know, this is all there. You just plug it in and forget about ever it existed. You know, twenty five bucks. Yeah, and so I'm not sure it's worth twenty five dollars in time modifying. It, one. Well, in 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 their Brent, 
lies the source of the of the situation. You it, are buying user experience, you're, Whitney. You're buying user experience, and you're buying your time back. Yep. You know, so if you think about it, if you've got a, you know, if, if you're working on if you're working on a Pac-Man, a Miss Pac-Man, and the power supply and the uniqueness of how those games are powered, it would become, uh, I guess, maybe. Um, I don't know a burden to you mm-hmm. or something like that. This is a this is a quick and easy way to solve that problem. So uh, it's being sold on a website called Riddle TV Riddled R I D D L E D TV dot com. Uh, I have no experience with that website or that company, but it does it is a good looking product from the picture. So. Um, I, I don't really have a need for it at this point, but at the same it, it, at the same point, I guess, or on this on, in the same vein, it's just good to know that it's there. So you refer back to it, like I say, we'll have it in the show notes. And the last two things here, Brent, are from HighScoreSaves.com, um, and literally uh, this this website has has quickly become the home, uh, I think, the de facto home of a lot of turn kind of turnkey high score save kits uh, this is new for this month one for warlords is now available okay so it does permanently save all scores you know it offers free play in the track mode uh, it, the big thing is uh, it is easy to install because uh, what it allows you to do is uh, pull the ROMs off the game and they they, they call that ROM saver feature mm-hmm. and then the ROMs are I think they're they're literally compiled into one larger ROM. Mm-hmm. They're strung. They're essentially they're they're concatenated together and then strung into one larger ROM. And then the PCB makes the allowances for the offsets and everything like that. And uh, the nice thing is, is all the uh, uh, all the software settings and, and the uh, software dips are available via a soft menu at startup, which is nice. So you don't have to get into the game and uh, you know fiddle around and um, you know take a pencil or a small screwdriver and move dip switches around to change certain settings and things like that. So this is a perfect example of you know applying some modern tech to these older games. So. The other, and that is, uh, oh crap, I didn't have the price on it. Anyway, highscoresaves.com, and you, you'll be able to go go see the Oh, the yeah, price see the multi tato. Yeah, here we go. The multi tato, though. I looked because usually a lot of those, a lot of the uh, uh, saver kits with, with the ROM elimination, they run sixty-five. Yeah, to, I'll look and see what they are. Go yeah, with the multi-tato. Probably fifty to anywhere between yeah. fifty and sixty-five, seventy-five bucks, something like that. Kind of high dollar for one game, but at the same point, it gives you a lot more than what you'd have without it. So it's one of those scenarios you pay to play. Uh, the second one though that's new this month is the multi-tato Taito. Tato for one hundred and fifteen dollars, um, and this had this is a small uh, a small daughter card, and it provides uh, the following games: Elevator Action, Jungle Hunt, Jungle King, Time Tunnel, uh, Sea Fight, Poseidon, Sea Fighter, Poseidon. I've never played that game. Have you? Nope. <laughs> I, I know nothing about Sea Fighter, Poseidon, Pirate Pete, and Space Seeker. I so, thought Pirate Pete was. Uh, um one of the little Moppet games. Ah, man, I don't know. Maybe if it I'm was a Moppet game. Eh, anyway, go ahead. If it was a Moppet game, it would have been burned. But anyway, <laughs> um, just because it would have attempted to steal your I soul. For, I forgot what I was looking for. Go <laughs> ahead. Exactly. Yeah, so this is on the classic uh, Taito Tato pinout. It does use your existing SJ, which is part of the original uh, board stack. Uh, PCB, it is easy to, quote unquote, easy to install. 
Um, and, and this this does give uh, a lot of feature sets. I mean, it does support screen flip for uh, for you know alternating one player, two player in, in, in a cocktail. Uh, it does provide the track sounds. It does have the ROM savers. Uh, permanently saves all scores. Allows you to choose a game, you know, choose the game at boot up via via menu. I mean, it's got a lot going for it. And um, and highscoresaves.com, I mean, so, very so very trusted vendor. What did you say earlier? It uses something from the original stack. So you, yeah, do, the, you, the do, you, S, do you need a working the, the SJPCB? I was reading up on this, and it looks like the only thing that you need is just that is just that one PCB. Okay, so this isn't a standalone. Okay. All right. No, no, that's not how I understand it. Now, that being said, I've not purchased and used one of these. Okay. Gotcha. So, so that that's what I've read. Um, the the Warlords kit is I just had a fifty four ninety nine. So oh, fifty five okay. bucks. All right. Thank you. All right. Good deal. Good deal. So, like I say, we'll have all that on uh, on the show notes for this episode. And that Brent is spending your money this month. So, not too bad. Tallied up, we're probably into what three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks somewhere. <laughs> not that bad. Oh my Jeez. gosh. It's Jeez, easy okay. to say when it's not your money. Yeah, it's easy to say when it's not my money. But for me, man, the big, I mean, the the big value adds here are the reproduction artwork because it just it just yet again brings new games back from the dead so to speak and makes them look good and i'm super stoked about all the mr do stuff so dude just don't be me. just don't be a pirate pete <laughs> for for sure See, now or, looking- or a soul stealing moppet character <laughs> as well so. i have never seen this game yeah neither have i man i'm, I'm, gonna, oh, have to, I'm oh, gonna have to look it up you know what it looks a lot like jungle king Mm. because you know in jungle king where you've got that scene where you're like running up the hill and you yeah. gotta jump over the rocks yeah, jump over the rocks there's yeah. a scene like that looks a little different there's you know the the scene where you're like swimming and you're i think it's alligators you gotta avoid the alligators and you got the knife and you yeah can, yeah you can knife them well it looks like from what i can see on claw it looks like like it's they've changed like an ocean floor because it looks, like, looks kind of like a shipwreck and it looks like maybe sharks and then the scene where you're swinging on the ropes, well, it's the masts of a ship with ropes swinging. So, yeah, it looks like um, kind of like almost like a Jungle King reskin. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll have to check that out. I'll put it on the list, and it'll fall at number oh, 217. Trivia. Jungle King, Jungle Hunt, Jungle Boy, and Pirate Pete are basically the same game. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's what Claude says. Okay. All right. Well, they, <laughs> there we are. The, and and yes, there you have it. And there you have it. All right, Brent, let's take a break, and then let's do some news and feedback and uh, and call this one. Whitney, I made it through that last segment relatively unscathed. Given that you have, I guess, been nice to me the past couple episodes and not spent a lot of my money, <laughs> I walked out, you know, I mean, it could have been like four or $5,000. Oh, I, well, I mean, in this new segment, it would actually be like $6,000. Oh, that's yeah, true. For something you're getting in the ready new to segment. cover for us here. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Before we get to that, though, Whitney... Gosh, but as much as I want to get to it, like right now, <laughs> let's let's get uh, into some news. Actually, some feedback in this case, yeah, from uh, from our friends from across the pond. It sounds good. So our, our friends, uh, our, let's say brothers in microphone. How about that, uh, Sean Holly and uh, and Victor Marlin, Vert Vic. 
from the 10 Pence Arcade Podcast. They are running a poll on the top five arcade games of all times. And you can head over to their website, 10pencearcade.co.uk, and you'll see the, the link to vote right there in the, uh, the menu uh, off their website. And there you can vote for your top five uh, arcade games, and I think what uh, Sean and Vic are going to do is feature, compile the list and then feature that in an upcoming episode. So they've got over 200 submissions. I wonder if Pirate Pete is in there. I don't know, but I'd say it's probably number 317, somewhere around in there. <laughs> but um, but nonetheless, uh, so so Sean and, and Vic will feature this in, in an upcoming episode. They say they have over 200 submissions. And uh, I went and voted, and I think uh, I think it'd be good to, to support their effort because it's going to be interesting to see what they what the public deems as the top five arcade games. They did ask for comments. And uh, and I did uh, I did supply comments uh, for my votes and justified my votes as to the reason why my votes should be the top five that they talk about on the podcast. Now whether they see it that way or not, Brent, I don't know. But uh, but Vic and Sean, there's a there's a um, there's there's a bucket of biscuits in it for you <laughs> if you go ahead and you know kind of slot it my way. I, I'm I'm thinking what I should do is put my name on this and then my email. Yeah. And then put firepower in here five times. <laughs> five times. Yes. Yeah. Firepower and then and then nip. Of course, it. that's not an arcade. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then a fire nip it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Five that's, times. That's, five that, times in a row. Oh no! Firepower nip it. Firepower nip it. Fire nip it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any <laughs> questions? Uh, it, yeah. Uh, but, because they are they they are awesome yes. and of course they're not video games and they're not video games <laughs> yes so uh, so I actually submitted six because I just like to do that kind of stuff so <laughs> did there you, you go. list it as an alternate yeah, or did you honorable just... mention okay. is, is how I did All right. that so but Gosh, I, that's funny I gave them a heads up and so you know they, they can do with it what they will so yes it, it, like I say our our fine friends at the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast next one up and this is new um, just within the past couple of weeks Brent and I saw this originally on Facebook. Facebook and I went out to the website and took a look at it and this I think this is this is neat and it's notable for for an inclusionary aspect if nothing else but uh, Walter Day has got his entire um, well the goal is to get his entire trading card collection uh, online for research or just to be able to go look up the cards or, or, or what have you and I think probably to feature new cards in, in new segments of cards for his project but the website's called the Walter Day Collection and um, it, you can find it easily enough at just Walter uh, Walter Day the I'm sorry <laughs> let's do that again yes yeah, so make sure you get the right yeah, site I need to make sure I get the right URL because that stuff matters nowadays, Brent. <laughs> okay. TheWalterDayCollection.com. Okay. And it, it is a beautiful website. I love what Walter has had, uh, has, has had done for the website. The theme is great. It's, it's very pleasing on the eye. And you can go in and look up the cards by name or by number and everything like that. So uh, good project and nice to see it organized in that way. All right. Now, Brent. Now, we had an arm wrestling match over who was going to cover this next one, okay? And uh, it was a throwaway arm wrestling match because (laughs) at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because we're going to talk about something so awesome right now. I'm pumped. So, So, dude, spend my money. Spend your money. Yeah. Looks like Spooky Pinball has announced officially total nuclear annihilation. Kaboom! And we talked with the Spooky crew. We had Scott... Uh, Charlie, Ben Heck, we had them 
on show, let's see, this is 50, I think it was 56. It would be 56. Okay, yes. and yes. that's where we carried our coverage of the Southern Fried Game Room Expo, including the panel that I hosted with them. And we talked quite a bit about the game. You and I talked about playing the game at, at the show, the Whitewood of the game. Total, total awesomeness. And uh, it is, it is phenomenal. It, it, it's I, I just <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this game. Yeah, it's it, it is it's a awesome. it's, it's a fast paced fun game. You're I don't think you're going to get into this game and go like Lord of the Rings. You're not going to go Lord of the Rings story mode. Nope. Uh, Super Wizard modes. I mean, this is a fast paced not survival down, drag of the out, fittest. Survival the fittest. It is exactly, and it is an absolute ball. That's just the white wood. So they finally announced it. It looks like this this announcement was dated August fourteenth, twenty seventeen. I'm just going to read a little bit of it here. Let's see. That's just some of the. Let me get down here to the features. So the trim levels, premium, no LEs. Key features: the Denisi lock mechanism. So what that is is it's a it's a and there's no way to do justice to this in an no. audio format. No. It's a it's a series of inline drop targets <laughs> that actually capture the ball. That's your ball lock. Yeah. And the way that this thing works, it's like butter. I mean, yeah. it is so smooth. It's just amazing. It is literally like watching magic happen. How yeah. it, how these drop targets pop up and react and capture the ball. And then when they release, they all, of course, drop and they all roll out of this. Cha- it is just, it is unbelievable. It's yeah, just it's, the coolest it's concept. Neat. It's really, really neat. So uh, I'm scrolling away here, looking back at the pictures. All right. So the Denisi lock mechanism, uh, numeric player score displays back bo- in the back box and in the play field. And this is kind of that throwback Scott has mentioned in his in his various interviews. That, you know, the game went into a cabinet that was a Dolly Parton. So it had those yeah. numeric score displays. And they've carried that forward with just a little bit of a modern touch, newer displays. He didn't, you know, they're not reusing, you know, classic old type displays. No, so. they, they've got a nice bright white look to them. Yeah. Kind of like a whitewash look. They're, they're very, they're very modern yet retro. Yes, exactly. Time. That's the way to put it perfectly. Yeah. So uh, LCD display, and that's in the center of, I guess I'm trying to look at the pictures here, the center of the back box because there's stuff that goes along with the gameplay. We're, uh, uh, you know, player information. And I, I'm rem- trying to remember because, honestly, Whitney, you're always watching the play field, even when somebody else is playing. Yeah. You, you get a little information, like the countdown when reactors are doing things. And a lot of it that I remember is just – setting the mode the mood setting the tone mm-hmm. just graphics and artwork and kind of stuff and i'm sure all this is going to change when it comes to the production game but uh the game does include a uh an lcd display full metal apron which apparently is becoming a thing to 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 market these days i know stern is doing what all they're all plastic right whitney they are yeah. yes yeah they uh, are fully controlled rgb inserts and gi lighting which is amazing yeah even in the white wood it is just amazing to again sit back and even watch somebody else play and just watch the play field yeah it is sub chamber which i assume means uh subwoofer and when you hear the music and the way it thumps and the way it beats i mean it's like it's like techno but in a good way for people that don't listen to techno yeah i mean it's it's the music the just the whole beat has got that it has that same effect on you that like the Super Mario Brothers music yes, does. Yes, there you go. I, I mean, it is instantly recognizable, infinitely repeatable, 
But you never get tired nope. of hearing it. So it, it brings you back for awesome. more. It brings you back for more. This is real cool. Laser cut side rails, mm-hmm. r- a real back glass. Uh, it's got a beacon on the top, the rotating beacon, which is interactive with the game. Uh, and they mentioned it runs on P-Rock hardware, and it's the it's 100% original soundtrack. And you just talked about the soundtrack, Whitney. Yeah. It's, it's sweet. It's, it is so sweet. I, I'll tell you, Brent, in looking at the, the artwork play- is just phenomenal. Oh, it is. It is. And, and I'll say this. In looking at the play field, this is not typically the type of game that I would go for. It, just straight up. I'll just say it, okay? Because it's it's a bit more of a throwback type of play field layout. Single level, flat. Um, you know, the, there's not really, uh, from, from a ramp perspective, there's not really any, I mean, there's, I mean, let's just say it, there's like, there's no ramps, you know, I mean, it, it, the play feels completely flat. Yeah. I mean, any ramping that's going on is just there. It's just the older style cutouts in the play field, just to maneuver the ball around the play field itself. More like a channel, channeling. More, yep. Yeah. More like for channels. For, yeah. There you go. Channels for a loop. I think that's a good way to say it. And the playfield's very open. I mean, I do like that, but it is deceptively, deceptively uh, complex is, is, mm-hmm. is what this is. Because playing the game, there's a lot going on. Uh, Scott does a lot with a little, but he accomplishes a lot but with that. And um, this, this this is the type of game that it, it's, it, it seems like a pickup game, easy to pick up and hop into and, and go with. But I do. I, I just I, I love everything about it. You keep using the word game, and to me, when I look at modern pinball, yeah, there's a game aspect to it, but it's more of like an adventure, mm-hmm. and that sounds kind of cheesy. Guided story, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're starting a mode. You're doing this. You're you're like um, I mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier in the show. You're you're starting a segment that you can relate to from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And you are those, you're in that mode, you're in yeah. that adventure, you're doing that thing. To me, this is a, this is like a game. It's you against that machine. Yeah. You have, um, it, it's, it's a little bit, I don't, I don't know, I'm doing terrible justice to what I'm, what I'm going through in my mind here. You have a mission, you don't have 400 missions. And that mission, it's fast paced, it brings you back. It seems easy, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And when you when you screw up on this game and you lose the ball, or, you know it's your fault. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, and it just brings this. This is an awesome game to sit down and, and play. You know, if you own the game or just play by yourself, or to have four or how many? I think it's just a four player game. Looking at the displays, yeah, looking at the displays, and, and have have people over the house and just hammer on just it. hammer on it yes exactly exactly i think this is one of those titles that just keeps you coming back for more and time in day in and day out it's one of these that would satisfy uh not only the first day of owning the game but likely a, a year later yeah. from owning the game you would be just as satisfied with it if not more you'd almost think spooky um sponsors us <laughs> well, you know something? When quality is there, quality yep. is there. So I, I'll just I'll say it that way. So for those that haven't uh, caught up on this yet, here's what they're going to do. It looks like the game's going to be made in batches of 50, and it's not in limited numbers. You'll be just, It looks like from what the uh, release says here, you will be assigned a production number in the order. Your initial order and payment is confirmed. Yeah. So, you know, they're not going to cap it. 
And let's see, where's the pricing at? Pricing on the game is $59.95. And it's $1,000 down. And the other important stuff is, okay, it looks like there's a couple options you can get. Knocker and shaker motor kits will be available from Pinball Life. Yeah. And let's see, order from Pinball Life. Oh, and have them sent directly to Spooky. And then they'll install the kit. So it looks like you can probably... I, I'm. Whitney, how are you reading that? I'm reading is you can you can order the kits for yourself and do do the installation yourself. Or you can have them done at the factory. Either yeah, way you want to do e- it. Either way you want to do it. it. Looks like the same for the for the pla- the nine piece plastic protector set. Yeah, and that that's one thing I kind of I did kind of question on this. It looks like there's a nine like you said nine piece plastic protector set. I did hear about this and it's thirty five dollars. I wonder why that just wasn't put in the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. For 35 bucks, for what it is, it seems... I mean, to me, it feels like it ought to be there. Yeah. But, that, I mean, that's just me. I could I, see... I, I don't know. I could see upgrading to the, the knocker and the shaker. Yeah. You know, and and I have mold shakers around in my mind a little bit. And I think you went ahead and did the shaker on some modern games you've got. And all, I, actually, all of my machines did, have got shakers in them now. And, and I haven't done it. Yeah. And I just... You know, the Jurassic Park has a shaker in it, and every time I've played it a few times, even though it's not in the game room, and it just it makes I'm just like uh, I just have that feeling like I can hear stuff raining out of the bottom of the play field, yeah. and, and I know better. I yeah, know there's yeah. there's thousands of games with shakers in it, and yeah. parts aren't falling apart. Oh, I'm telling you, I dig it though. I yeah. mean, I, I do. I, in fact, I mean, I I, I love the. I just love the 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 feedback that the shaker gives you when it's timed so perfectly with the shots in the game and then hitting targets and everything mm-hmm. like that. To me, it adds a lot to the pinball experience. But I, hey, man, to each their yeah. own. I get it. So I could see making that an option because honestly, I'd probably bypass the shaker. Uh-huh. But the plastic set, if the protector, you know, thirty five bucks, six thousand dollar game, thirty five bucks. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, you know. Uh, it looks like they got interior cabinet graphics. I could see that as an option. Oh, yeah, Those are to- like fifty totally bucks. Buck. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Worth so, um, man, it's a sweet looking game. It I is. like the art. The art is. is the the art is in my. I guess the way I could put it is to the point. Uh huh. It's not just crazy art just for the for the sake of having art shoved no. everywhere no it, i think it really works it, it does and, and the art on the sides of the back box is uh fittingly a mushroom cloud going up mm-hmm. so it, i mean it's it's great it's just great i, I noticed on the inserts and whenever you see lettering on pinball play fields it's like font perfect like it came out of a machine and if you look at it, the all the inserts that sh- I guess, uh, if memory serves, these show you which reactor you're working against right there in the very middle of the playfield. They almost look like they're hand. Well, it's hand. They look hand drawn. I don't know if it's all hand drawn art, but it looks like someone just drew the one, and they're all yeah. kind of they're all kind of canted at slightly different angle. I mean, it looks great. Looks great. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a, a little bit of hand scratch. Doesn't right. It? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look. Not looking perfect looks perfect. Yeah, th- there you go. Yeah, That's, that is a great way to say great way to say it. So, total nuclear annihilation get you some. So, speaking of po- spooky, Pookie, uh, wasn't that? Uh, <laughs> that was a uh, uh, was Pookie something from a, a '80s sitcom? Yeah, wasn't there it, like it a was? It was a nickname. A for nickname some for ca- somebody. For some character. Speaking of spooky, 
My word. Our lang our our accent, our language and our whatever just gets worse and worse every show, doesn't it? Uh, yes. We're losing listeners by the minute. <laughs> Speaking of spooky, the um that they've got this new side art option. Now, is this the real name, the Butter Edition, or is that you kind of No, that was that's what was in the email. That's what Oh, this is still in the email. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most ridiculous thing with a crazy price tag you absolutely don't need. Spooky's words. Butter edition cabinet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is this? Our own recipe. And I'm going to scroll here. Cabinets are hand-dipped in rich colored inks, no decals, lovingly, not just not just rolled, but lovingly rolled in automotive clear coat protection and buffed to a shiny, delicious perfection. <laughs> 99.99. And they've got some pictures of some Rob Zombies done like this. And I, there's a note in here that the photos do not do this justice. And I, I could imagine it because I've seen enough like show cars and and I've spent enough time polishing a car to this unbelievable depth of shine, and you can't see it in a photo. Yeah, true. And it, this looks really good in a photo. It does. It really does. It really brings out the artwork. Yep. So there you go, and man. They offer it. They offer it. Total nuclear knowledge. I want to see. I want to see. I don't know how you lovingly roll. I want to see how they lovingly roll <laughs> automotive clear coat. Well, uh, however they do it, they they've got, I mean, they they've got to get some, it right. Are they playing some Barry White in that section of the? Hold on, we're about ready to do some some. What is this? Wait, hold on. Let me make sure I get the name. Some butter edition cabinets. Turn on the Barry. Yeah, turn on the Barry. Turn down the lights. Oh. I, the end result looks great, though. I will say that. Did you I Google mean, Pookie? I, I did, and I did not find what I was looking for. So you and I seem to both have a, a similar memory on that, but we can't zero it in. Definitely. Okay. I, All right. Yeah, we're we're not we're not too far off, but we're off far enough. We're off just <laughs> far, far enough. enough. How about but Google that? is like, I don't yeah. know. It's like, listen, I don't know what you're. I don't. Know. I, don't you're, I don't know what you're asking. You're all idiots. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's there's nothing I can do here. All right. So getting into the feedback here, Brent, we've got a got a couple here. I um, got one from email and then quite quite a few from Twitter. Uh, first email here is from um, from a gentleman named Phil Burton, and this is uh, Phil is over in the UK, and he did want to write in and just make us uh, make us aware of a event called the Arcade Experience. It's happening at the first part of September 2017. And he said, uh, hey, guys, I've got a confirmed cab list for the Arcade Experience at the Center of Computing History in Cambridge on 2nd of September. So he lists out the cabinets. I'm not going to read through just a whole bunch of cabinet names. But if you go to www.computinghistory.org.uk, then you can find out more information about this uh, about this particular event at the Center for Computing History. looks neat. It really does. And I, I went through the website and looked at... Uh, kind of the the other events that the Center for Computing History hosts over there in the UK, and um, it's it looks like a very nice educational uh, place to visit. Uh, wish I could uh, w- wish it was here to where I could more easily get to it because I'd love to take Grace. Looks to that. like they spelled center incorrectly. Well, I think they spell it the way they spell it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I hear a lot about the Center for Computing Excellence on the very shows I listen to. Yeah, uh, retro computing. Round table, round table, yes, and just others that are just you know, either directly related to pen and video or related to classic computer. They have always got something going oh, they, on. They so do. They do. If you're local, 
and, and you don't make use of that resource, yeah, shame, shame on, on you. you. Shame on you. Absolutely. Exactly. So uh, the the uh, the next set of feedback comes from Twitter. I'll take this first one, Brent, and the next one is like totally up your alley. <laughs> so uh, listener Frank Zola said, I had a great time at the Louisville Expo, hoping to see you all in Nashville in a few months too. Uh, so Frank, uh, if everything goes to plan, Brent and I will be in Nashville in November. Yeah, so, we yeah, are. Looking uh, forward to that. Yeah, actually. we're looking forward to it, and that's definitely on our list. I mean, the only thing that would keep us there would be – uh, something unforeseen mm-hmm. i mean that's yeah that's, at this point you're right you know we are all we are we are all but definitely locked in because tomorrow we could be attacked by locusts you, and never, you, know. And you never know or a bunch of birds never carrying off a nippet <laughs> oh dear yeah. speaking of that uh vert vic who is part of the 10 pence arcade podcast is at broken token just listening to the podcast now brent got a nippet and there's this picture of a bird and he's kind of like hey what hey, you doing? Hey, what you this, doing, This buddy? look he's got, he's kind of got his head kind of canted to the side, and you're like looking in one of his eyes like, hey, what's yeah, going on? What's going on? Want to listen to some Barry White? Yeah. How, how's, how's that going? <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be okay? So, yeah. yes, I have the Nippet, and it's out in the garage next to the Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get that in. Have you man. seen it in person yet? Uh, the Nippet? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. yeah. You showed it to me last month. Okay. Yep. Sure enough. Uh, listener Mike Martin uh, post up and he said, my latest uh, game room tour. Now, some of you need to do the same. And uh, that would be true. Uh, so, and, and I did watch YouTube video. It was it was it was very good. So, Mike, I mean, you've built out a great game room. I would say that, yeah, definitely at some point need to do uh, a video tour. So just uh, on the list. Never seems to get done, though. That might happen for me after the great reorg of there, there you go. There you yep. go. And after my Nintendo row, yo. Uh, project is done. How about that? Your rap career didn't last long. No, did it? that was it. Start and finish in one Twitter comment. <laughs> just right there. It was done. That's it. Casey Relford at Broken Token. Have a chance to pick up another Frogger this weekend. Y'all need one up there. So that would make, if I've got my count right, that would make the third one for Casey in the yeah. past like crazy 18 months. Yeah. How, dude, how do you find these Froggers? I'd man? love to have a Frogger. That's that's a game that's on my list. If On your short list? You know, I've said recently, multiple times recently, that I there's not an arcade game I'm after, but I wasn't thinking that all the way through. Yeah, there. If I could come up with a Frogger, I'd have a Frogger. Yeah, I really like Frogger. Yeah. What do you What do you think the running What do you think the running window on a Frogger is, money wise? For a nice, a nice one, nice one, nice one. For a nice one, I'd roll, say roll in the game room, set it done. down, plug it in, done. I'd say seven ish, eight. For a nice one, those mm-hmm. cabinets didn't seem to hold up very no, long. No, they don't. They yeah. were easily converted. Yeah. Uh, if you get a good one that you can just roll in, don't have to you know put a power supply in it, cap it. If it's yeah. got a good bezel, because that that tire track bezel always tends to be kind of torn up on yeah. them or yep. sagging and faded. I mean, I mean, eight hundred bucks. Yeah. Honestly, for a good one. Yeah. As with everything, price so, has gone up. So Casey and I, we. we I don't know if Casey's my friend anymore. Casey and I have had a we've we've had to break because he up. gets so many froggers. No, I, I was I was okay with that until not too long after Atlanta Southern Fried Game Room Expo, he posted a very nice looking firepower at a very good price. Okay, and he had it while we were there, and it. I'm trying to remember his exact wording, but it's some when I said something about it, and uh, I don't think it occurred to Casey that he had it, and it was or it hadn't 
he hadn't decided to sell it or he decided to sell it and it didn't come to mind or one way or the other, I'm just going to say that uh, Casey forgot us because I would have loved to have brought that firepower home. And the oh. only person I have to blame is Casey. Oh, well, I'm sure it was inadvertent. Uh, <laughs> I see Casey still has a fan here. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, all of a sudden. You know, I'm sorry, Casey's dead. Casey's dead to me. <laughs> Hilarious, man. I got to go. You take all the next one. Power. You take the next one. I'm going to go out here on Facebook and defriend him. Okay, fair enough then. Fair enough. So, Casey, that's Brent. That's not me. So Get ready. Incoming defriending. <laughs> so, listener Peter came in. Sweden says, my DK Jr. roars again. I had accidentally... I, accidentally. <laughs> I had accidentally switched TR-373 and TR-374 on the soundboard when I did the rebuild and no more hum. Now, what he is referring to, and this is part of a discussion that Peter and I had going back and forth, and it refers to a uh, a thread on Clav around reducing or eliminating the audio hum on Nintendo ca- on Nintendo arcade cabinets. Uh, Brent, do yours have a hum to them? You know, a, a slight kind of if memory kind of because usually or? the way this game room comes up, unless I plug in an individual game, yeah. And you don't hear it I, because there's so much going on in here anyway. Yeah, okay, and, fair enough. And it's not that it, you've got all the track sounds i turn all those off but there's a little laser projector up here and you hear the fan in it and there's a fan in a couple of the arcades you hear so there's just general noise in the room yeah and so i I, honestly i can't remember yeah well most i mean it's pretty it's pretty systemic within most within most uh nintendo cabinets so a few of mine have got the hum. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah, a few of mine have got the hum. Um, it's never really that bad, but it's it's just kind of there. You just you hear it in the, in the back of your head a little bit. It's it's you always know that it's there, but at the same point, uh, this cloth thread goes through numerous numerous um, solutions to the problem, and I think uh, towards the end of the thread, they actually they actually post up a solution that that seems to make sense. So I'm I'm going to consider that. But uh, yeah, Peter, that's that's a good job, man. I awesome. Thought, I thought the big fix on that was what what are TR? Are those some transistors? Those are two sound. Those are two transistors on the soundboard. Are they diff? Are they? Is it the same part or is it the same part no, number? No, no, they're different. They're different. And he switched them and mm-hmm. it fixed it. No. Um, so so he swapped them back to where they oh, needed oh, to be. I switched them as in yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then um he sw- from what how I understand this going, he swapped them back to where they should be and then he installed a uh, a pot in a place where a cap was. Okay, all right. And then that uh, that pot actually allows for the volume adjustment there where a cap used to be and then uh and then that that solves the problem. I thought that a lot of that was traced back to a ground loop. Like you I could, have heard that as well. Like, it, if you looked at the schematics really closely and realized where things were connected, you could actually break the ground loop, and then it. Some people, and I think even, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think even, um, man, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on on who that actually was. I thought they suggested I, somebody actually suggested cutting a trace. I thought it was Mark Spade. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, it was yeah. Mark Spade. That's it. Suggested cutting a sp- uh, cutting a, a trace. I'd have to go back and look at the thread just to get all the details on it. Okay. Well, yeah. I've never looked into it that deep. So yeah, so Jeff Waldron tweeted at us at Broken Token. I'm enjoying your latest episode. It's actually the best episode since your last one. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is a, a nice dig on on you and I. Yes. towards the end of this. End of this the is show. our last episode till the yeah. next one. Till the next one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and then um, listener David Corgan, uh, founder and host of the Grand Ole Game Room Expo, said, uh, hold on now. I'm working through the podcast. Popeye in an orange cabinet? That's crazy talk. And, well, David, it's going to be some crazy talk coming up. And uh, he's also the guy that coined what I thought was a great show title. He says, a four-hour podcast? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> and, I was, and I laughed and laughed at that. And I, I just... I, and he, he included the, the the meme that goes along with that. It's hilarious. And I thought, man, that would actually be a really good show title. So, What was the That's show that. title last time around? Uh, I can't remember. Man, I'd have to go back and look. Um they went straight to Platt. Oh, that's They're, right. That, that's what it was. <laughs> so Spaceballs reference. Yes, I exactly. forgot about that. Yep. Oh, all right, Whitney. So that wraps up Twitter. Yep. And I, and I didn't get to pull the Facebook. I ran out of time. No. So my apologies. Well, I was going to say, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. We got a lot of stuff that's always going on on Facebook. We've, uh, you know, I we really, really appreciate everybody that has come onto the page and liked the page. We crossed, you know, we were shooting for that thousand uh, 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 follower mark, yeah. and we have shot past that, and we continue to, or like mark, excuse me. Yeah. We've shot past that, and we continue to grow, and it's kind of like with the, the, the reviews on iTunes, the more that those grow, the further we get out, and it just gets the word out about the show. So if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet, uh, like Casey, you're dead to me. <laughs> and the only way to become all, all that over a pinball machine. The, the man, only man, way we see how these friendships run. They no. run deep. Oh yeah. The well, when there's a fire power involved, well, whatever. All right, you know. All right. All right. The I'm, only I'm, I'm way leaving that, I'm leaving that up to you. The only way to become undead to me <laughs> is to is produce to, a fire power or to like us on Facebook. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Or you can leave us a, a, a review on iTunes. But, uh, that that would work as well. But seriously, we do put a lot of uh, stuff on Facebook, and I'm kind of looking forward now that I'm on this uh, this heading of finding all these little weird hacks because it's just interesting things to share with people little funny things and it's stuff that we can do in a quick picture and everybody's like ah look yeah. at that yeah no doubt i, I see that album growing yeah. quite a bit from both whitney and yeah I, and so. i need to go back and look at my pictures and just and just pull from history you know historical uh my, my historical camera roll and just take a look and see if anything qualifies mm-hmm. but going forward yeah i'll consider that we mentioned this early in the show make sure you look for us in november at the grand old game room expo Yep, and we're, I'm sorry. Go I ahead. say we're we're looking forward to the show. We had a ball last year. Uh, check out the Grand Ole Game Room Expo site. Uh, David and his wife they run a a great show, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. Other I than, am too. Other than the fact that it's closer to my birthday, and I'm not rushing the idea of being a year older, I'm really looking forward to yeah. November. Yeah, me too. It, it's it's a really fun show, and the plan right now. I've been talking to David, but the plan right now is is to take Skyskipper to that show. And um, still working out some of the logistics on that and sorting through all that. I mean, we're still we're still several months away, but um, that that is the plan anyway. And that and quite honestly, man, um, outside of taking it to Louisville Arcade Expo in March, that that's probably going to be about the only times that Skyskipper really really makes it out. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm not I don't have any interest in in uh, trucking it. You know, halfway across the country just on a whim. So if uh, if I can't get it out, uh, it, it within a reasonable radius and be sure to 
be able to to protect the condition of the game, then it, it's it's not going. But yeah, if you want to play Skyscraper this year, then I would say uh, come to Nashville. So Whitney, you and I, let's get together on that outside of the show. Yeah. And, and I'm not making any promises for any listeners, but if if you're working through logistics to transport Skyscraper, maybe you and I need to get together on that. We talked about on the air, yeah. on the show before. Uh, when we go to shows other than like Louisville, because it's so close, I- I'm like 15, 20 minutes from there where I live. Whitney's further out, but in the big picture of like an Atlanta or even a Nashville, it's close for Whitney. We can take games there. Yeah. And all the podcast stuff and anything else that we have to take care of any duties that we've been asked to perform at the show if you've got transport going on, maybe we can figure out something and I can take a couple pieces with us. I know we're already, at least I'm going to be carrying a lot of stuff for presentations. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll, no promises, but we'll, we'll yeah, see. We'll, we've got we'll a couple sort, months. We'll, sort, we'll try to we'll sort, sort it out. We'll sort it out so for sure. That's November 10th through 12th, of course, 2017. Yeah. Franklin Marriott Cool Springs there in Nashville. And it's grand old O-L-E expo.com yep and the next show coming up uh another one coming up in november free play florida 17th through the 19th at the hilton doubletree sea world in orlando and that's at wp.freeplayflorida.com as well now we won't be there no unfortunately um, not but man wish i could yeah so florida in november yeah sounds yeah. sounds good i've I, got I, I know i have work travel in both october and november so it's 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 just it's not gonna be possible Whitney, let's talk about where people can find us. And then, um, man, I think it's time to wrap this one up. Yeah, I think we can put 58 in the can. Yeah, we can put 58 in the can. All right, so media outlets. So we're available on Rob O'Hara's Throwback Network. And Brent, I am uh, working to get us uh, submitted to a couple of additional uh, podcasting networks as well. So as soon as those uh, hopefully come through, we'll have a few more to a few more to announce there. Uh, and you can find uh, Rob Rob O'Hare's uh, network at www.throwbacknetwork.net. A host of great retro themed podcasts are available there. Um, we can be found on iTunes, as Brent mentioned. Please leave us a review. Rate the show does help us uh, through search uh, through searching and, and search results. Stitcher Radio, uh, Xbox slash Groove Music, and also on the Google Play Store. From a social media perspective, we've talked about Facebook. Check us out, facebook.com slash Broken Token. We do try to keep uh, the conversation going out on Facebook. We've, like I said, with the album that we're going to put up with interesting arcade finds, you know, we try to post current related arcade news there we're going to have some albums up i know i have some albums going up here soon of the fandom fest and a few things that have gone on so there's always stuff going on facebook twitter at broken token and of course our website www.brokentoken.com yeah and i was gonna say brent don't forget my nintendo row yo i've got to get that album up there as well (laughs) you know hey but in all seriousness uh brent's been a good show it's been a fun show and uh everybody we hope that you've enjoyed the show and please uh take us take take us up on the support for project pinball that we mentioned at the very very uh onset of of the show at, at the very beginning of the show because uh we're, we're, we're going to do that, and we're going to try to make uh, some good come of that situation, and we would appreciate all the support that our listeners can lend in that scenario. So, Brent, until next month, I would say keep your quarters clean. Everybody, game on. 
Congratulations, you made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with, but I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent, Miss Christy Litzy. And that's me. <laughs> Music for the Broken Token Podcast, graciously provided by Hayseed Dixie. Head over to their website at www.hayseed-dixie.com for videos, tour dates, merchandise, and to purchase music. I think I could clean it up after that travesty. (laughs) (laughs) They're a little bit more laid back. And I think we're just like... Why don't you take the first two, and then I'll take the TNA. Yeah, I mean, you got people walking around with sticks with heads on the top of them, man, and skulls and horns and everything like that. Whitney, I made it through that last segment relatively unscathed. Yeah. I mean, for... for, (laughs) I know where I wanted to go, and it wasn't there. Yeah, do-over.